There she is. Now she's on the screen, putting her ass in my face, just like always. <laughs> I see a head popping up and down. Yeah, that's what she does. She's just rubbing you now. No, she likes to do this, where it's like, oh, you're down here, and you normally feed me around 10 o'clock, and that's that's coming up soon, so I'm going to be <laughs> a pain in the ass until that happens, and then I'm going to eat, and I'm going to be more of a pain in the ass. Oh, there you go. She's right behind you now. Mm-hmm. You know, just the audio of that snippet of conversation <laughs> without a context, <laughs> like the last minute. So what you're saying is we should use that for the intro, out of yeah. context. Out of context <laughs> intro. That, that's what we need. That that should be a new segment on the show. Is the out of context intro? Just start taking. I'm shit. sure most of our intros are all out of context. Welcome to another episode of Brian and Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is Josh Zorch. Oh, I wasn't ready when <laughs> you don't do me first. Surprise. Switching I'm always up. the one who's second, so I was ready for you oh. to be first. But... <laughs> oh, no. All right. Um, hi, everybody. I'm going to talk today. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, and Mike Bradley. I bet on the race between Flash and Superman. Unfortunately, they didn't give us an answer. <laughs> um. So so I'm what kind of I'm kind of in, you well I'm in limbo right now you know because like I, I think we got to <laughs> wait for a sequel. He and I are arguing right now that you know that the next Justice League movie will answer that question. You know that, that it just opens with them finishing right right yeah passing up Forrest Gump somewhere along the way. <laughs> yes, they actually you that know would be probably... fantastic. Yeah, they, they, it would be great. You know, especially if Superman's the one that steps in the shit, you know, like, just splatters <laughs> into a million pieces. Who who produced uh, Forrest Gump? Was that Warner Brothers? I don't think no so. No idea on the production. No, I can... That's one that I don't recall. Because I was... I'm sure if they really wanted to, it might not be the most difficult thing in the world to negotiate a small licensing campaign. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Tom Hanks would do it and stop at the end of it and go, <laughs> I feel like any if you questions? put Tom Hanks in a DC movie, the universe just suddenly breaks. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, but they would have the Robin Wright connection already. <laughs> it's, it's true. See, it all comes back around to this this whole segment. That was a great segue, Josh, by the way. Boom. Uh, so we've sort of been talking about it a little bit already, but we're the main bulk of this episode will be our thoughts on Justice League. Um, the last episode we did, which was our Thor Ragnarok review, uh, we brought back Josh's segment that he's been he's been headlining the Between Two Worlds segment. So it seemed like we had a, we had a good sh- uh, discussion with that for Thor who ties into the Thor franchise and what other movies they've been in. We're going to try to start with that same type of thing for Justice League. Um, Josh, I don't know. Do you want to explain this for people that maybe don't know what this is or hasn't listened to us do this before? 
Yeah, absolutely. As uh, Stan Lee always says, everybody's uh, somebody. Every comic book would be somebody's first comic book. There so, you go. absolutely. Uh, so, just the idea is: uh, Have there been actors or actresses that are recently uh, appearing in the uh, you know sort of current incarnations of Marvel and or DC properties? You know, TV shows, Netflix, uh, theatrical films, of course. And have they appeared elsewhere as well in the past, either somewhere else within that sort of same universe or in uh, the universe of the distinguished competition, as <laughs> they used to be called, you know, call each other. Um, so, for instance, if we're... Here, wait, before we get into it, because I... Oh, oh, what's what? We have yep. to set up the theme song that we now have for this thing. Oh, my gosh, if I would have got ahead of myself, nobody <laughs> would have had any idea what was going on. <laughs> we just throw it in randomly without it. Some sort of a good setup. catch. Uh, so yeah, uh, Josh and uh, a good friend of ours, Chris Oliver, came together. It was a collaboration, if you will. Uh, gave us this theme song for this segment that hopefully we can use again and again and again every time we do this. So enjoy. Well, you know the face, but maybe not the name. This mystery we will unfold. We'll find out everywhere they have been. Oh, they walk between two worlds. All right, that theme song is fantastic. It's it's great. You'll hear it every time oh, we do this now. You. So, <laughs> woo! I'll, I'll I'll expect that royalty check soon. <laughs> yeah, zero dollars of zero is still zero. <laughs> I want a twenty percent raise. <laughs> you, you got it. Zero again. It's, it's all good. Um, all right. So last time we did this for for Thor, you were having us sort of guess. Is that we want to try to do, try to do that again? Yeah, you know what? I think it was kind of just a spur of the moment uh, thing that we kind of. Like, like took the format that way and i know from my side i really enjoyed it okay. and i it's think you guys did do it's always yeah fun i don't th- i mean we we got we got zero feedback from any listeners on that but <laughs> as I mean, per I, usual I, I yeah but you know what i guess at the same time like it's just call it like silent consent yeah so if no one until, says they hate like, it we're just gonna keep doing it <laughs> as long as it's fun for us hey what the hell yeah pretty much uh all right so the first one should be glaringly I just smack you in the face, <laughs> obvious. I can't put it any other way. And it is directly tied to what we are discussing, Justice League 2017. Mike, you want to take J.K. this one? J.K. Simmons. There you go. Even more obvious than that. Oh, and really? More obvious than J.K. Simmons? We, more obvious because, uh, for a moment, we actually talked about well, that, okay, so uh, when we when we talked about Spider Man this past summer, okay, because he had the Spider Man connection, so we did bring him up before. But yes, J.K. Simmons, who played well, J. Jonah Jameson in the Raimi Spider Man trilogy, does appear, uh, making his uh, Commissioner Gordon debut in Justice League. You're not wrong on that, but there's one uh, that is okay. much more obvious. Ben Why do I feel like I'm missing this one? J.K. Simmons, I thought, was the obvious one for me. Ben Affleck. No, Mike. My, ben Affleck. <laughs> oh, duh. <laughs> appeared in Marvel's 2003 Daredevil. Uh, at the time, I actually am not positive as to which uh, which studio owned the rights or, or put Daredevil out in 2003. But, Fox. Uh, that I falls, think it was Fox. Is it Fox? Okay. So that falls, uh, though, in at least in the Marvel Comics universe, 
uh, and has now made his third appearance, I guess if you call his second in Suicide Squad, made his third appearance as Batman, Bruce Wayne, in the current DC Universe. So yes. So we are we are down to two. Now there there's a third that is directly someone who appeared in Justice League. Now the connection to his... Uh, well, I guess gave a slight hint away. His... Uh... Connection to to what his other property was might be really difficult to come up with. I won't be shocked. I I completely forgot about this myself until I was looking into this a week ago. Okay, so but take a shot. So when you say directly appeared in Justice League, we're not talking about the post credit scene. Uh, correct. Okay. In the film proper. In the film proper. Um. All right. I need to rethink because I was stuck on the post credit <laughs> scene one we can discuss. Um, nope. Although I'm not certain of that, but I'll get to that. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm drawing a blank. I got nothing. I'm really okay, terrible at this game. The, again, I, this one can be completely forgiven. You got it, Mike? Mm. I'm thinking. All right, all right I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it. <laughs> um, so if you remember in, uh, in Thor, we talked about uh Idris Elba appearing as Heimdall in the Thor franchise, uh-huh. and he also played a character in Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. Uh-huh. There also appeared Syrian Hines, I didn't even who think played I the. That name who played the character of Rourke in that film and who plays our villain Steppenwolf uh, in yeah, Justice would, League. I would not have got that. Yeah. Uh, Hines, if you don't recognize the name, I can understand, like, American audiences not knowing him. He's not, like, a, a household A-list by name. Uh, and especially in Justice League, as a CG character, you never really saw him. Yeah. So. Again, forgivable. Um, if you look him up, he's, you'll know who he is immediately. He's been in a million things. Um, I, I would have given the reference that he plays Aberforth Dumbledore in the last Harry Potter movie, but he's again so hidden behind makeup and beard and everything that like, you probably wouldn't recognize his, his, his typical face anyway. Yeah, that but, probably wouldn't help me either. Yeah, but it's, I, I guarantee the moment you look him up, you're like, oh, really? Oh, uh, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, he, was I'm gonna get the name for you in a minute, but he was the leader of the wildling clans who uh they end up burning alive as the you know warning to everybody else. So if if you remember that arc from Game of Thrones, uh Man- Mance Raider was his character in Game of Thrones. So if you remember that if you're a Thrones fan, that's that's who we're talking about. I'll just have to agree with you because yeah, now, sure. now yeah. I know who you mean. Now I actually know who we're speaking. <laughs> <of>. <laughs> See, I figured we'd get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, as far as I can see from direct Justice League specific appearances, uh, that is the extent of of what I could find. There are, however, within the current uh, Batman related DC movies as well as past Batman incarnations. There are still a few others that we, we could touch on if you guys want to keep the game going. So are we going to talk the post credit scene one 
or no? I'd I'd save it only because we haven't. I don't want to okay. talk about post credit stuff pr- prior to spoilers. Okay, and I'm curious to see where you're going to go with it, Mike. Because I don't know if it's I... him in the costume or not. Okay, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I didn't look in okay. the, I didn't you know watch all the credits looking specifically for that to come because it comes after <laughs> the credits anyways. Um, and I don't fair enough. You know, so fair enough. That we'll we'll have a callback. Oh, segment I, okay. To I this know. Later. Who, yeah. You're right, Mike. It, we'll get there. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll touch yeah. on that one. The first thing as soon as we hit the spoilers, I think, because I know where he's going with that now. Yeah, yeah. All right. So at the moment, I'll say I'll just open it up to anything that might come to your guys' mind, Batman related, specifically Batman. We're not talking Man of Steel or Wonder Woman so, or like future Shazam or Aquaman or anything like that. Just so, things that are are Batman centric. So BVS in this movie. Uh, well, or, or or prior Batman specific movies, so the the Nolan uh, trilogy, Tim Burton series, oh. or the Nolan. So Nolan Michael series. Keaton has been yes. Batman and in Spider Man Homecoming. Yes, correct. Appears as the Vulture now, returning to comic book movies in 2017 uh, in Spider Man Homecoming as the Vulture, and of course was uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman. Kicking off uh, Burton's Batman universe in 89 and then Batman Returns in 92. Absolutely. Several more. Are we going to extend Vertigo as a form of DC Comics? Is the offshoot that it is? (laughs) Is Batman in what you're thinking? Uh, Uma Thurman would have been in Kill Bill. No. Not not going that... Not that far. uh, (laughs) That far, no. Okay. That, that's why I asked Vertigo. That's why I said, like, if we're going Vertigo that's comics that's or fair. not, because it's kind of DC, but not entirely. Um, right. Okay. How many more? How many more names do you have, Josh? That we're trying to guess, number wise. Um, I could drop at le- uh, at least at least probably three more. Okay. Okay. Um. Well, so you said we weren't going forward with anything in the DC universe, but Tom Hardy and Venom. Um, I hadn't included that yet, be- just because Venom is a future release. Yeah. Okay. So, but but yes, that that potentially <coughs> that could have been. So, if we're limiting it, limiting it so far to th- only stuff that has been released thus far. Okay. All right. How about how about just try to narrow it down and help me out because I'm trying to come over like four or five Batman movies at <laughs> once. What, okay. What um, other Batman I, movies are these coming from? Okay. Um, I will say one is Batman Forever. Okay. I'm trying to think like main characters. I was going to say there's so many in that movie that like there's so many names in that movie that it's like. If you think about it, you you start ticking those names away very quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm... Uh, I got, well, shit. I got one for a future one, because I think she's an Aquaman. Or at least cast an Aquaman. You are not wrong. But we could save that to talk about another time. Yeah. Or we could just, well, we could, we could bring it up now and then revisit uh, it, because yeah. I'm sure we'll forget we talked about Nicole it. Nicole Kidman is supposed to be an Aquaman. And she is that also is in Batman Forever. Correct. Yes, she was Dr. Chase Meridian in Batman Forever, and she will be playing Queen Atlanta in 
Aquaman next year. That is that is correct. We'll call that a bonus. Okay. And Mike, we'll we'll, we'll give you the bonus for for Tom Hardy too. Fair enough. <laughs> so there's one there's one more still in Batman Forever. Oh, it's killing me. I can. Like, it's not the main players. It's not. It's not Val Kilmer. I, I can't for the life of me not... remember who played Commissioner Gordon in that movie. Oh no, not even close. I still can't remember, and it's still bugging me. And it's like that's where my mind just keeps circling back to. <laughs> All right, get, um, get ready to facepalm. Oh, is it someone I named, and they're actually in something else? No, you're forgetting one of the power players. Yeah, I was gonna say Tommy Lee Jones, but I can't think of what he what else he was in. I, I, it's either him or Jim Carrey, then, right? Right. Oh, motherfucker! No, I'm, right. I can't do I'll, it. I'll, I'm out. I'll give you. The, I'll give you the the the, the pity tap out. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, yes, plays Harvey Dent, Two-Face, in Batman Forever, 1995, and played Colonel Chester Phillips oh, God damn in it. Captain yes. America, the first Avenger. Yes. 2011. He's so skinny. <sighs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have two smaller two parts. Two smaller parts, both from... Uh, Batman v Superman. I'm still kicking myself for Tommy Lee Jones because I, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like Two Face in that movie is so over the top for him. For some reason, I was thinking for something comparable in another comic book movie, and he plays the general so straight in what you expect for Tommy Lee Jones that it doesn't immediately stick out to me as like that's the one he's in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good pull. All right. Yeah. So Smaller I, you're, roles you're... from BVS is what you're saying then. Yeah, and and they, I'll, I'll I'll at least say this: they these two people have appeared in MCU uh, on, on film in MCU in, in an MCU capacity. If you don't know the one guy's name, I, I don't think anybody does, but <laughs> he's just one of those people. If you happen to recognize his face, so we'll go if we can name like, the oh, characters yeah. or who they were. Or at least allude to who the character was, yeah, because I don't even think, like, I would not even know that he had a name in either of these movies. You would not know that his character was that name at all. The other guy is an actor you probably know, but it kind of came in under the radar. Yeah, it's, um, I got nothing. I don't want to just like sit here in dead air and try to think. Yeah, right. It's not immediately it, it, coming to me. I don't think it's going to get there. All right, so in Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, we have a character named Wallace Keefe, who is played by Scoot McNary. Why do I know that name? Um, He was on, or is on, I don't know how long it's been on, isn't he? I think he's on Criminal Minds? No. I'll have to IMDb him later, because the name's familiar, but I couldn't tell you what I know that name from. Uh, again, one of those guys, he's like, not a character actor per se, but once you see his face, um, you'll know exactly who he is. Um, in Batman Superman, he plays the guy who is the um, uh, victim of, you know, he, he was in Bruce Wayne's oh, I gotcha. building okay. who uh, uh, Lex Luthor ends up giving the wheelchair to and using as the bait to blow up Congress. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that's Scoot. 
Um, he appeared in the Marvel one shot, All Hail the King. Yeah, he's the, the guy interviewer. that inter- he's the interviewer who interviews the Mandarin in jail in that one shot. Yes. Well, it's not it's not the Mandarin. It's uh, Trevor well, Slattery. This is true. This is true. See, <laughs> you are on top of it. <laughs> I had to look at his face. I had to IMDb him and look at his face. I, I recognized the face. Right, yeah, but now that you see him, you're like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, The last guy I'll, I'll give props to, because I think you don't realize how much you pay attention to him when he's on screen. Um, And his name has gone pretty much un- unknown, but, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see him have uh, a future career here. His name is Kalan, C-A-L-L-A-N, Kalan Mulvey, and in uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, he is one of the uh, bad S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Hydra guys. He, he's like, uh, he's like Crossbones, Lieutenant, Second-in-Command guy. Because he's KG Beast in BVS. Yes. You got it. Yeah. It's it's like I can't think of it when I'm on the spot. But when you start leading me into it, I'm like, "Yep, okay, I got it." <laughs> yep. Like I said, now now in your mind, you have, you know, as soon as I say, you're like a clear picture of his face. Yeah. You probably have like envisioning a scene or two that he goes through. Yeah. Yeah, he's the guy that Bruce Wayne's following around in in BVS and like tags his phone yes. or something. Finds yes. him at the Fight Club. Uh, he and he's the one who's guarding Martha Kent. In the warehouse when Batman comes to get her. He opens the movie, too. He's right in the opening scene with yes, Lois. Yes, in the desert. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he actually has a pretty decent size. Yeah, I guess he has a decent size role even in Winter Soldier, but he's just like muscle almost. He doesn't have very many speaking yeah. lines in either either role. Yeah, he he's the, uh, in the one of the opening scenes, he's the, did he just jump out of that plane without a parachute yeah. guy? Yeah. <laughs> Um, alright, this one is gonna be easy for you, Brian. My favorite guy who's been in a Batman property and appears elsewhere in the MCU. Oh, My go-to. You just put me on the spot. I, every time he's in anything, I always point him out. Oh, um, Dave DeSmaltrin. There we go. Yes. Dave DeSmaltrin appears as Kurt the... I, I don't necessarily want to say Russian, but... Eastern block accent sounding speaking gentleman in Ant-Man part of the crew mm-hmm. uh, and he plays one of the Joker's uh, minions in the Dark Knight he's the one that Aaron Eckhard uh, who, who's handcuffed to the gurney that Aaron Eckhard steals the ambulance and takes him away and you know threatens to kill him until you know Batman shows up to convince him that he's just a sick mentally sick person yeah because we brought him up in our blade runner review too because he shows up in that movie blade runner uh one of my he was in one of my favorite movies this year belco experiment as well uh he's great in the movie prisoners if you get a chance to see prisoners that's well that's another uh denny movie yeah yeah i like how you ignored his last name and just called him denny and moved on yep That's that's what his name is. It's, he's <laughs> you're not lying. That's, that's true. He's gonna be he's he in my world. He's gonna be like Prince. He's Denny the director. He's he's Denny. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Yeah, Desmaltrin uh, always seems like he has very small roles, but he's always acting with, like, the headliner of the movie. Yeah, right? So kudos to him. Yeah, he's finding his way on the screen with the, the biggest, you know, the highest build people in the film. So yeah. it's got to get him somewhere. Yeah. Um, Going through real quick, I think for now, unless we, like, kept going into, like, some future properties, I think that is a good place to stop. Uh, We have hit just about everything. Uh, That's almost something to rival how many people were tied to Thor, though I'm going to still give the edge to Thor because... I think we came up with seven people who were that, actually yeah. actually in those three movies, in the trilogy of Thor solo movies, whereas this one we like very much had to go outside the uh, boundary of one specific version of the franchise. Yeah. Yeah, you're pulling three different rebooted versions yeah, of Batman. I was going to say, you're talking yeah. nine movies that you're drawn from in this case. <laughs> so. so, yes, there's your episode of walking between two worlds for this week good night ladies and gentlemen we'll see you next week yeah, i think these <laughs> i think these actually work pretty well as like headlining the movie reviews that we do like because i'm sure every comic book movie we do you you have someone that ties somewhere so i'm, I'm liking this perhaps when we Almost, review things yeah. that aren't comic book movies you know, say we do a Transformers review or a whatever the hell review. Uh-huh. We we should each get to challenge one of the other podcasters to a six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. With somebody <laughs> from the it. cast. Yeah, go for it. Uh, <laughs> I will not be doing the Transformers research. <laughs> Josh will not see those movies ever. <laughs> I don't care but... what movie. I'm just saying when it's not in the MCU <laughs> or, you know, DC, whatever, it... Do something with it and come up with something. Yeah, that's... Let's just try that with Star Wars. That's wonderful. Last Jedi would probably be the next big review we do. So what would what would be the crossover, though? Like, Star Wars with what? That That's what you gotta do. You gotta find its mirror image or, or find the other element. Star Trek. <laughs> I, think, I think there's probably a lot less actors that cross over that than we think. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Well, yeah, but again, maybe it doesn't, like, maybe not every single thing is going to lend itself to, you know, multiple uh, appearances on on the show. But if you can come up with something fun for, like, a one-off or there's, like, two or three connections to talk about, that could be fun. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. It might, it's going to depend on how much research I want to try to do into that, something like that. If I try, like, two or three avenues and nothing, I come up empty, I'm just going to give it up, probably. (laughs) So, (laughs) we'll see between now and then what I can find out. Or, I mean, even just the six degrees of separation would probably be decent, too. Yeah. It was Mike's idea, so I'm assuming he'd be pulling the bulk of the weight on that. There you go. Mike, you got homework. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Never, never have ideas. You automatically <laughs> volunteer. Uh, all right, so we're going to try to head into the movie itself. We're going to try to talk some Justice League, uh, as we've done, at least we've tried to done over the last couple of reviews that we've done. Uh, we'll try to talk generally about the movie first. So anyone that hasn't seen Justice League yet, uh, you can hang out, listen to us for a bit. We'll talk spoiler-free thoughts on the film. Um, after that, we'll throw out the spoiler warning. Talk about specifics. Don't worry, you can pause us when you when we get there. We'll throw out the warning. It will be a very clear warning. You will know before we get into spoilers. So, 
for Justice League. This is the fifth, right? DC movie? DC shirt. We have Man of Steel, BVS, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Justice League, right? I always leave Suicide Squad out of my count on that because... I know. I really had to think about that for a second. (laughs) That's why I put in my notes five with a question mark because I wasn't sure, (laughs) but I had to double check. Um... So yeah, this is uh, another DC film that I think seemed like it had some troubled production. Uh, after the dust settled on BVS, Warner Brothers kept saying they were listening to fan reaction and critical reaction, and were trying to keep that in mind going into Justice League. So from the start, I feel like this movie was being made with a lighter tone in mind, just because it didn't want to be as dark and gritty as BVS was. Uh, not only that, but I think Warner Brothers was very strict on the runtime for this where they wanted to make sure it stayed around two hours, since BVS theatrical cut is two and a half, home videos extended cut is three hours. So I think, again, Warner Brothers was trying to switch up their formula a little bit. They figured BVS didn't work, so we got to try something different for this one. Um, Zack Snyder, who directed Man of Steel in BVS, was also directing Justice League. Uh, he was crafting the story for Justice League with the help of Chris Terrio, After principal photography was finished, Joss Whedon was brought on to take a pass at the script. I believe normally the typical thing with movies nowadays is they, they, after principal photography, they set aside a block of time for reshoots. So I'm assuming reshoots were already worked into the schedule. And based off of Joss's rewrites and some additional scenes, they were going to use the reshoot time for that. Before they got there, Zack Snyder had a personal tragedy, had to step away from the film, Warner Brothers offered to delay the release date, try to accommodate Snyder and allow him to come back and finish the film he started. He decided to take a lot more time off than, I guess, they... Not that they wanted to. They were going to give him as much time as he wanted, but since he decided to take a lot of time off, he didn't want to hold the release date. So he said, just go ahead, you know, finish this without me. It's fine. Uh, And then they stepped up with Joss. They asked Joss Whedon to step in and take over the movie and finish, uh, you know, what Snyder had started. It's a little bit unclear at this point how extensive these reshoots were or how much they changed the overall story of the film, Uh, but they were done without Snyder. So whatever Whedon did, whether it's just touch-up rewriting, whether he rewrote large sections of the film and they changed it in the reshoots, uh, we could argue that when we get into it. Um, Whedon still insists that this was a Zack Snyder film, that he, he shot it and directed it as Zack Snyder would. So he didn't want to take credit for directing this film. All credit goes to Zack Snyder as a director for this film. Um, And on top of the reshoots, I think we talked about this on a previous episode, the movie was hit with a completely ridiculous and extremely time-consuming problem. Henry Cavill, who was off shooting Mission Impossible 6 and had to grow a porn stash for that film, he came back for reshoots and was contractually obligated to keep the mustache, which means every shot he did for Superman... During these reshoots, he had a mustache. But Superman does not have a mustache in the film. So what do they have to do? Completely use the computer to CGI remove his mustache in every shot that Superman is in. So if you were watching this film thinking, what is wrong with his lips? That is probably why. He was contractually obligated to keep the mustache for Mission Impossible 6. So they had to just spend a butt ton of money to take it out. Um, I think that's about all I remember as far as, like, troubled production. And they had this with, I feel like, BBS had troubled production. Suicide Squad obviously had a lot of troubled production. Wonder Woman, I don't remember hearing any problems with. Wonder Woman seemed to be very smooth. 
And then this one again, they're they're having issues with this one. And then looking even to the future, we've even talked about how Flash can't keep a director. Uh, Aquaman seemed like it was hit or miss whether or not uh, James Wan was still sticking around to direct that film. There are rumors he was on his way out, but he stuck around. So I don't know if they fixed what they were going through and he's still on board. And then as far as the rest of their schedule, we don't even know what films are coming. They keep changing release dates and what films they're working on. So I don't know who's involved with what anymore, but they kind of seem to be all over the map. Um, so I don't know with any, I guess all those behind the scenes issues, I guess, did anything stick out to you guys after watching the film that you could attribute to some of these production problems? I guess, well, unless you think that it might be too specific, we could sort of save that for spoilers. Um, because if we wanted to get into specific, like if you want to name specifically, well, I think this was wrong because of this. I don't know if we should go there yet. Maybe that's the bad, the wrong question to ask at first. Well, I, I just, I, I, because we haven't really offered like initial thoughts on it yet. I, I guess I would say like my, my, like neither of our responses yet really have context for addressing that. I would say I, I was actually very pleasantly surprised by the movie. Um, I am a, I, I'm a person that doesn't read Rotten Tomatoes. I don't really care for the broader community's opinion mm-hmm. necessarily. I do enjoy discussing things that I like and that my friends like with the people close to me. Um, but I don't really have a sense of what the general public, you know, internet opinion, so to speak, is of this movie. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I enjoyed it. It was not nearly... It, I, I was expecting, you know, kind of like you described in a ways, I was expecting what I called a, a patchwork train wreck. Yeah. And I, what I saw, I thought was 98% cohesive. I think the choices of the characters that they laid out in most cases were understandable they made sense as to the rationale behind them and how they you know affected things and what they did later on um so to then come back to the question itself i would actually say that i didn't necessarily think that there were many problems with the movie um you know again you like you compare it to suicide squad and it, it, Suicide Squad looks like they just showed up every day and shot, like, decided what they were going to write and shoot that day. Yeah. And then they put it together in some sequence and called it a movie. Uh, with this, I, I thought there was a lot of cohesion throughout it, and I wouldn't say that much of anything really stood out to me as, as, like, glaringly problematic. Okay. I, I would generally agree with, Josh, on the sentiment that I was surprised by this movie. I will say I'm glad I went in with low expectations. Um, I, I tried intensely to make sure I went in expecting it to suck so that I could have maybe a more objective <laughs> point of view of the movie than going in and being like, oh, well, there's more Zack Snyder. And, yeah. you know, so that being said, I'll also say that the movie felt like what it was from the production issues. It felt like a Zack Snyder film that Joss Whedon went in and spruced up and made better. Okay. Um, okay, I can the, see that. You know, the way it shot, the way that 
everything kind of feels, it feels like a Zack Snyder film. Mm-hmm. But the tone and I think some of the jokes hitting home and the soundtrack choices, like part of me honestly believes that the three actual songs that we get, like I, in no way do I think that Zack Snyder put Icky Thump in this movie. I am a hundred percent thinking that was a Joss Whedon decision. Uh, I don't know. That, that was feel. used. It, it was used in one of the trailers a couple of months ago. Now, the, now the choice to include it in the film as well may may not have been there initially, but I would imagine it, it was in consideration at the time the trailers were being cut while Snyder was still around. I did not remember it from a trailer. Sorry, which yeah. song is this again? Icky Thump. Icky Thump by the White Stripes. When was it used in the movie? Uh, mostly during Aquaman's scene when he's swimming back okay. to his his place. Yeah, when uh, Steppenwolf is there yeah. and he's going... Josh is right, yeah. that was used in the trailer. Okay. I was not aware of the use in the trailer, but... Okay. Um, It, it, it just felt... It, like, like I said, like a Zack Snyder film with hints thrown in from Joss Whedon to make it better. Okay. I could feel that, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I'm generally gonna... Well, not maybe piss on it, but... <laughs> I feel like I might be looking at it a little bit more... I, I told these guys before, I probably have a lot of nitpicky stuff to talk about. Uh, I still find this film enjoyable, and considering all the problems that I sort of listed above, like, I expected, like Josh was saying, like, some sort of patchwork job to this. I think, pace-wise, it, it moves pretty good. And I don't know if it's just because, again, they wanted to keep it two hours, so it, you don't feel like you're sitting there too often before you're on to the next thing. And I saw this movie twice, and both times I walked out of it thinking, okay, that's pretty good. It wasn't until, like, afterwards that I sort of thought about it and read a little bit about it, about things. And when I, looking back at it, I think the, the pace of it covers up some of the, the nitpicky plot hole story things that I, I thought of. And part of that kind of bugs me, and it sort of goes back to that. Maybe it was like a patchwork job, and maybe there was more reshoots done than I had originally thought. Like, it seemed like with principal photography done, and then Joss Whedon just coming in to do reshoots, you think, okay, well, we're just going to polish up a couple things. He reworked the script a little bit, added in some jokes or something to make it a little bit lighter if they wanted that. That doesn't seem too bad, but then... I don't know, looking at the finished product, I feel like they, they actually went ahead and changed more than was originally there. And you start to wonder what Zack Snyder's film would have been if he was able to finish this thing. And as much as I crapped on him for, like, BVS and, and some of the other stuff, I kind of actually want to see that cut and see what how different this could have been that way. Uh, okay. But is, is, that, is that because you're not very, th- like, the more you think about it, you're not very thrilled with the final product, or it's just sort of a sense of curiosity at this point? He wants to uh, see the train wreck. Well, no, no, because I, I, I think Snyder might have actually... I think Snyder had some decent ideas, at least from what I remember reading about this film prior to, just production things and rumors that were coming out, some of the stuff that never materialized for me in this film, I would have liked to see that on film, whatever the rumors were before. I don't... I'm, trying to stay general because we're not spoilery yeah, yeah so i don't yeah. want to mm-hmm. talk about what i sort of kind of read um but yeah i think and again as much as i sort of 
you know, crapped on him for, for past movies that he's made, if he had a specific vision in mind for this film and then they just kind of cut it up to shreds and barely used any of it, that, that does make me curious to see what it could have been. And not that, and again, not that I don't like this film. I do find it enjoyable to watch. Like, it's definitely one I'm going to pick up and own and will watch again. And I do enjoy it more than BVS. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just, I think, and like I said, I think it just comes down to more nitpicky things. I think it's, I have a problem when story takes logic gaps or just moves on to the next thing without explaining how they got there and, and things like that. And I feel like that could have been explained in a longer cut of the film or possibly in Zack Snyder's original cut of the film that they used elements from and maybe they just picked what they liked and just patchworked it into Joss Whedon's script. And, and I don't know. Again, I'm trying so, to be very general, but yeah, no. So it, it does sound like it's much more of a curiosity thing. Like you, you want you, 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 you have end product A, but you would like to have potential original product B for contrasting comparisons. Right, and it's something I'm never going to see. Like they will never release right. a Zack Snyder cut for this film. Well, I, I, someone else mentioned that to me, but at the same time, uh, yeah, they might. You gotta wonder, were they actually done with the movie? Like, principal photography being done does not mean the movie was finished. Right. You know, there is story editing. There is a lot that happens after the initial cameras stop rolling during the, you know, initial schedule. So, honestly, there may not have been sufficient material available to produce his, you know, a quote, like, Snyder cut. Right. Or anything like that. It doesn't necessarily mean like Whedon came in, they chopped away forty percent of the movie, and recreated things or reshot or, or anything like that. Like you know, the the movie wasn't done yet. Well, see, I almost see this as sort of a comparison to like the Han Solo film, maybe not as drastically, but like they have principal photography done, they have a version of the movie, and then Zach can't finish it, and maybe even before Zach left, like they bring in Joss to try to rewrite and patch up the script, and just. You know, the way things shook out, Zach couldn't finish, and they brought in Josh to, to finish directing, but by the time they went back to reshoots, they're like, no, 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 we're changing this, we're changing that, and two weeks of reshoots turns into a month, month and a half of fixing the movie. Uh, it very well could have been. So, that's that's sort of my curiosity and what I'd like to, you know, because I don't think you're ever going to hear the real story of what happened behind the scenes of this movie to know who directed what what changed midway through, yeah. what was a last-minute addition. And especially, um, you know, to, to continue the, the Han Solo comparison, um, the circumstances where, you know, it's, it's not even apples and oranges. It's like, you know, apples and monkeys in New Zealand. Uh, co- you know, comparing... Yeah, because it's not like Zach was fired from this film. Exactly, and and something I'm sure you guys heard. I picked up somewhere else the other day that, uh, you know, they're saying that Ron Howard has reshot something like eighty percent, yeah, of this Han Solo movie. I doubt it was anywhere near that much of an extent, you know, where they Disney just fired the people who were in charge of that movie and effectively started over. Right. You know, the circumstances of, of him leaving this were so tragic and the reasoning they're not no nobody with good conscience for the most part no critic or anyone really analyzing it 
is really going to care to dissect it that much yeah. because they don't want to continue to bring to the forefront this guy left a movie this guy left a movie this guy left a movie why did he leave the movie will inevitably come up oh this horrible thing happened to him and his family you know it's not it's not worth talking about that much right yeah i mean i'm not i'm not blaming zach for leaving like i i right, but if, understand if, that if, if you yeah, if you don't hear it talked about that much or or really getting analyzed as much as the Han Solo movie, that's going to be why. Right. Yeah, I guess, I don't know, maybe it's more the dialogue. Like, there's certain scenes in this movie that I can tell are Joss Whedon's dialogue, just the way he writes people and the way he writes jokes. And maybe since some of those stood out to me, I just assumed he directed that scene too, which may not be the case, for all I know. But... the. Less of this film felt like Zack Snyder than I expected it to, if that makes sense. Agreed. I think that was kind of what Mike was saying in in a, in a way. Then I agree with that. Okay. Yeah, I, I was saying more. He has a way of kind of following that same lighting tone, where you know, even you know, the end battle of this movie felt like a Zack Snyder final fight in a movie. It had that, the sky looked that way, the everything going on. Just oh, the color felt, palette, the the entire movie yeah. looks like Zack Snyder. Yeah. I will it, give you that, yeah. It, that's what I mean when it feels like it, because that color palette still creates a mood in the movie. And then, like you're saying, the dialogue changes that a bit and feels more Joss Whedon in a lot of cases. Because some of the, honestly, some of the dialogue stuck out to me like a sore thumb and pulled me out of this movie. And most of it, I feel like, is Joss Whedon stuff. Like, there's a, I don't know how specific I want to get, but there's a, there's a moment with Batman on the ground. And he just very kind of jokey says like, oh yeah, something's bleeding. Like, to mm-hmm. me, that felt so out of character for Batman and such a Joss <laughs> Whedon thing that I was like, no, that just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, and in yeah, in, ter- in terms of being like the 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 tone and the fingerprint being on a moment like that, yeah. I, I I agree with that one. Yeah, th- um, there's more I have in my head that I could reference, but I'm gonna wait for. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'll say the, maybe the yeah. It sounds like you guys want to jump into that, and so do I. I um, I'd say the the last general thing is I'm sad that the mistakes of Batman versus Superman were such that one of the main criticisms from the studio especially was we want a shorter more concise less bloated movie which would have served that particular story better yes but it's a shame that that got projected onto this because I feel like I could have used an extra 20 minutes Mm mm-hmm yeah, I would argue every time. I don't care the length of a movie. I will sit through a three-hour movie. If the story is, is complete and you lead me on that three-hour adventure without ask, you know, without questioning too much of what's going on, I guess, or, or why things are happening. Like, if you if you fill that story and you make it good, that it has to be three hours to tell – like Blade Runner. Blade yeah. Runner is a long movie. That story hooks you from beginning to end – that you are with it, and you don't care how long it is. You're just with the story. When yeah. movies do that, you don't even realize how long they are. 
Right. Exactly. If they do it right, you walk out of a three-hour movie feeling like it was a two-hour movie, and you say, huh, that took a lot longer than I thought. It's over already? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, but, like, with BVS, when you're watching it, and then you start looking at your watch, something's wrong. With Justice League, with you watch it, and you feel like you need more to fill the story, something's wrong. They still haven't figured out what to do with these stories and these movies. Yep. Yeah, and I, I, I would say I was, I again, I was, I was, I was, uh, satisfied with with what I was presented, but definitely a, a bit more time could have only served to strengthen in this case, especially when you have just like Avengers did, the first Avengers, it needed to be a little bit longer. You have the first major team dynamic. Yes, we've seen three of these characters together before, but we're now introducing three more. Right. And and we have a new antagonist and a new a plot arc that they're introducing. Yeah. Um listen, in this case I I don't think necessarily it was it was lacking or it was horrible because it was slightly shorter, but it definitely could have benefited from another 20 to 25 minutes. Yeah, I agree. Um do we want to I don't know how specific you guys want to get with characters. Do you want to touch on characters in the spoiler-free section or just shove all that to spoiler section and and touch on what you want to? Let's just dive in, because I feel like inevitably we're going to want to point to specific moments to illustrate why we have that feeling about that person or okay. something, so. I agree. Alright, fair enough. So, somewhere around here is where we will put on our spoiler warning. Uh, if you have not seen Justice League, you can pause us now, come back to us after seeing the film. We will be here waiting for you. Uh, everything that we talk about follows will be spoiler-filled uh, plot points and specifics from the movie. So this is your final warning for spoilers for Justice League. Wee wee spoiler. Wee wee spoiler. You know something like that. Okay, so we are in the spoiler territory now. Uh, we're just gonna probably dive into the characters and whatever spe- specifics we're leaning towards and what we want to grab onto. So did you have something in mind, either of you, that you wanted to dive into with these characters? I was gonna jump onto the final one of Josh's. Uh... Two worlds. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, so in the post-credit scene here, we see Deathstroke, presumably Joe Manganiello. It um, is. It is Joe Manganiello. Yeah. Which it means yeah. we have one there for Flash Thompson from the original Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. Which he looks so different in that movie. If you go back and watch it, that's Joe Manganiello. Yeah. Yeah. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he looks a lot different without a goatee and facial hair mm-hmm. and long hair. And you don't see the like rippling specimen that the man is. Wait a minute, Josh, uh, that wasn't on your list? No. What? What what I thought you were going with uh two different actors playing Deathstroke because uh the character appears in Arrow. No, no. No, I wasn't going with um Crixus or whatever. I, I know he was Crixus. I don't know what he is, what his real name is. Manu Bennett. That's it. Wow. Manu Bennett. How old was he at that time? Wait, Dude, that's so... a long time ago. <laughs> that was like 2002. <laughs> yeah. It was, but he. I'm doing the math. Okay, so he's younger than I thought he was. He's only like 43. He's about to turn 41? So he was Christ, 26 at that time. 
Yeah, <laughs> playing, playing a high, high schooler. schooler. <laughs> <laughs> that that fits and, with the and, theme. Yeah, he still had the Ripley muscly thing going on as Flash Thompson. It just yeah. I uh, yeah, I did not know that. I, I well, to be fair, it has probably been seven or eight years at least since I well, watched the first Raimi Spider Man. Well, and, and if you watch it again, you can definitely notice the like the camera tricks that they. I don't think they should have used because Joe Manganiello hasn't gotten any taller since then, and he definitely does not look as much bigger than Tobey Maguire as he ought to in that movie. <laughs> like, I, I feel like wow. there was some Tom Cruise effect going on there for Tobey Maguire <laughs> to make sure he didn't look as small as he is compared to him. Because I feel like maybe they looked at the actual shoot and they were like, oh, crap, he makes him look minuscule. And <laughs> they had to... So, how, lo- how long have you guys been aware of this? Like, at, at what point did anyone clue into Joe Manganiello's career and say, oh, yeah, Flash Thompson? How I, I, met I remember your him from Flash. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right, I, 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 I like, remember I him from that. But... Yeah, I remember him from Spider-Man showing up in a couple other little things. I think it was more recently, I think, that I made the connection of him being in Spider-Man. Was um, it like seeing him in the last couple years since, like, Magic Mike and uh, I, no, True I think Blood it was actually that, just like back seeing, to Spider Man at some point. It was just seeing, um, like, because he's a, he's definitely more well known now after like Magic yeah. Mike and all that stuff. But catching like Spider Man on TV and just being like, why does he look? Oh, it's that dude! Like one of those moments, right? Yeah, like like seeing Spider Man again now. Yeah, like more recently. Okay, uh, for me, yeah, maybe that was, was my problem. I haven't watched it in years. For me, he appeared on How I Met Your Mother. I want to say in season four. For like was, season four, the first time I think, one of Marshall's lawyer buddies or something, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think oh, God. he loves brunch. Damn. He was the brunch guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was. Um, he comes. Brad. He comes back in Spider-Man Three. Yes. And he was on an episode of Scrubs. I mm-hmm. gotta go back and watch Scrubs. <laughs> I didn't the realize you had series. such a man crush on Joe Manganiello. No, I'm just, like he's appearing in these things that I thought I knew very well but like he's not been on my radar as an actor like only in the last two or three years when my wife was like oh he was in true blood and he didn't wear a shirt a lot (laughs) yeah and then he was in the magic mic and definitely wasn't wearing a shirt there (laughs) uh you just summarized every woman in america's thoughts on joe manganello (laughs) um no offense to women you know you're thinking it we know you're thinking it. Listen, <laughs> when we see Scarlett Johansson on screen in the Avengers, we're thinking the same thing about that. Yeah. No, so, no offense to men. We're probably thinking the same thing about Joe Manganiello, too. <laughs> I will say, he when when he pulled the mask off, because once the post credit scene hit, I, uh, you know, after hearing all the turmoil around this next Batman movie and the change of, like, okay, Ben is not writing it. He's not directing it. They might not even use that character. Uh, Ben might not even be Batman. All the crap that's been out in the last year about that, I was shocked to see that they are still going with that. Mm -hmm. I I don't think it's a bad move. I was just surprised. This is, to me, and this is just complete guess and just trying to infer on stuff that I, you know, trying to connect the dots somewhere. Yeah. In the middle of production for Justice League, Zack Snyder tweeted out a picture of Deathstroke in costume, what looks like on a plane of some kind. Which led to me to lead me to believe he is somehow was in like the Zack Snyder cut of the movie. 
And since maybe they may or may not use him later, they just wanted to put him in the movie so they establish him, and it was relegated to an end credit scene because he was cut from the rest of the movie completely. I can see that. It could be. I mean, his his absence didn't cause any like logical story gaps, though, so it wouldn't have met a problem. Right. Meaning they, they if they didn't want to go a Deathstroke route at all and forget Joe and forget the character for now, like they could have. Well, I think but that's they're including him to set something up going forward. Well, my point is, I think that's that's how drastically the script changed from Zack Snyder's original mm, cut mm. to what Joss Whedon did. Okay, I got you. Because I don't think there's any reason why he would tweet that photo and effectively spoil the end credit scene if that's where he was set to appear. Because the okay. Batman is still not in production, so that shot was not from the Batman. Yep, that's true. Okay, I'm with you. Again, it's just conjecture. I have no proof of that. That's just the, me conspiracy theorying it out and trying to <laughs> well, no, find I mean, what I'm missing. I, I think that's somewhat of a, of a reasonable guess. Um, all right, so do we want to get into characters? Or do, or do you want to still yeah. talk about the, the end credit scene now that we're on that? Is there anything else we want to dive into with that? Not necessarily, unless... I mean, I think it's just... It's obvious that they're, you know, going right into an arc where they're going to set up, you know, the the Injustice League or the Legion of Doom. And, you know, how long is it going to take them to get to that point? What is that going to look like? What's the overall story arc going to be? But, I mean, I think it's... I think it was pretty obvious as to where they're going next. Right. And are, should like should we just assume that's Justice League two? Sure. I really hope it isn't. Um, in my heart, I hope it's not, because I hope you want to see Dark Side. I want to see Dark Side first, because I honestly believe if they go that route for Justice League two, we don't get Justice League three, and we don't get Dark Side at all. Well, at the same time, if you go Dark Side in Justice League two. I feel like the Injustice League is a step down from Darkseid in Justice League 3. Like, yeah, if you I go as over I the top think... as Darkseid, Darkseid I, I, and then I, try okay. to do... I understand your logical connection. I'm saying that I would rather see them do the Injustice League in a different movie. Do you think they'd get their own movie? No, no, not their, not necessarily their own movie, but perhaps they start to delve into them in Aquaman, Wonder Woman 2, the Batman. You start to see these things coming together and get dismantled piece by piece along the way, such that the beginning of Justice League 2, they destroy them as kind of like the opening act. And Darkseid arrives on the scene at some See, point shortly after. I feel like that would after. be such an underwhelming lead. Like, if you tease this in Justice League and then just have them go out in the first act of the movie, well, just to bring well, about a bigger villain. Well, let's not also forget the possibility of both being in the same movie. Um, because What, the Injustice League and Darkseid? Yeah. I mean, we had Lex Luthor and Doomsday. Yeah, but I feel like Lex Luthor was like a non-fat. He wasn't a physical adversary for anybody. He's sure he's in the movie, but he's well, he's. Do just, we have a confirmation he, on who all's going to be in there in Justice League? No, I don't think anything actually. So I, I haven't heard a whisper. For all we know, we're looking at 
Brainiac and Lex Luthor, perhaps Sinestro. Who knows? I mean, it... it like, I'm with you. I think they should tease the rest of the team through these other connected movies and stuff like that. But just from a, a, a scale of stakes, I just I just feel like if if if... Maybe I'm giving DC too much credit. If they were planning this out far enough in advance, I feel like their template should be in Justice League for for Justice League 2 and then 3 eventually leads to Darkseid to cap it off with some big fucking epic thing. It, it, I think it's it's a step down going Darkseid in 2 and then Injustice in 3. I mean, I think it's even a step down going now from Steppenwolf to Injustice League. <clears throat> well, that was just like one adversary. I, like, I, I feel get like that. Giving but... the Justice League an entire team, each person matching up with a different villain is enough of a sense of scale, like stepping it up a little bit. I, I I guess in that sense that's that's true, and I'm not saying the Injustice League couldn't be cool. I just I think people are gonna forget about Darkseid very easily if they skip a film, and it's gonna cost us seeing I don't that think... third one actually come to fruit. I don't think anybody that saw this film thinks Darkseid is coming. Well, let me say, quote unquote, normal moviegoers. Darkseid is mentioned one time. Okay. Yeah, and like I, I didn't even notice it the first time I saw the movie. It, it was fleeting the second time. And if you didn't know what that like hallucination dream sequence was about in Batman Superman. Yeah, there's you, a bigger tease I mean, so, for Darkseid so in that movie. So far, you don't... Right, but if, if you don't know what that already means, like, they have not laid any more breadcrumbs. Like, they're, they're not dragging us by the hand that direction, so I don't... I mean, I, think, you know... They're not dragging the your standard moviegoer that way. That's true. I just... There's a couple things I'll, I'll, I'll say on that. One is that they need Darkseid. They needed Darkseid for this movie. Um, and they needed it to be that massive epic that the first Avengers movie was, and it didn't meet that scale. Um, I, I feel like the the other part of it is that Steppenwolf, for people that do know and have read the comics, which, believe it or not, that's more people than we think it is these days. But Steppenwolf is that step up the ladder to Darkseid. The only thing I can hearken that to is, like, think of him as, like, a horseman of apocalypse. And Darkseid is the apocalypse. Um, the other thing is, though, even though it did make a ton of money, the reception for Age of Ultron was not what it could have been. Right. Had they not dragged out Phase 2 and then 3 and then, you know, finally, you know, what are we, 12 years into this Marvel mm-hmm. MCU? Like oh six, nine, nine and a half. Two thousand eight was two thousand eight. So okay, so we're talking yep. ten years in. Almost, we're yep. getting our confrontation with Thanos. That's a right. long well, time well, from the start of a series. Yeah, now and to we're your still point, all with it. Well, exactly right. And the thing to 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 your point about saying that this movie needed to have dark side because it needed the grandiosity of what Avengers had, if. If Darkseed is the equivalent of Thanos, essentially, why would they use him up in the first big team-up movie? Wouldn't wouldn't that be 
using him too soon? Um, yes and no, and I think that's why they went with Steppenwolf, is they felt that way. Yeah. But from my point of view is the Avengers movies were so successful, they and they had Loki, they had Tom Hiddleston already there, already set up, you had a, you know, you had your all-star there as your villain already. They did not use an established villain that had proven popular already for mm, this movie, okay. and they also really needed a big one. They needed this so to turn things around. They like they started the turn with Wonder Woman. They needed a big turnaround with this movie, and the box office results are showing not so great so far. True. Now, I I made a point to Brian earlier, like in the last couple of days, that Batman Superman especially had a massive opening for you know couple reasons. Obviously, it's freaking Batman versus Superman. And regardless of the problems with the movie, the look of it, especially from marketing, the movie looked, like, aesthetically, looked really freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem was, if it had one of the highest drop-offs from week one to week two to week three that, like, big blockbuster movies have had in a long time because it was long, it was bloated sucked in a lot of ways there were problems with it word of mouth was acting against it i honestly think that justice league has enough good going for it that people have to really dig hard to shit all over it i i I think they might not be enamored with it but i do think you have to really dig to say that it absolutely sucked so i think it might have a bit more repeat and staying power than the other movies did. So I don't necessarily think that right, like after one opening weekend, I don't know if like the box office numbers are enough to make the like apples to apples comparison. Okay. Yeah. We really got to see what the next weekend does for justice league and how much money they make. If it's a, like a 60 to 70% dip from what the opening weekend did, I don't know how much longer it's going to last, but if it drops to like 30% of what it did, you know, 30% Mm -hmm. drop, you might have a point. Maybe staying power is a little bit better. It might actually come out doing fairly well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, but, no, again, I I, <clears> I can get sort of see what Mike's saying is that DC needs something to hook these people that fans may or may not be like they might be waning for these this franchise now for these characters okay. and this kind of stuff. And that the way I see it, the end credit scene sets up in Justice League more than it does Dark Side, which means I'm thinking right now. If Justice League was a hit, their plan would have been in Justice League for Justice League 2. But like Mike's saying, this movie's struggling. They need something to hit to bring people back to the fold, to get people excited for this stuff again. So if they, if DC and Warner Brothers keep wanting to change and adapt their plans to based on fan feedback from the previous movie, if this movie does as bad as they think it's going to do, I wouldn't be surprised if they sped up plans. It was like, nope, we need to have, we got to go bigger. We got to go stronger. Bring it. Like they do dark side for number two, just to get people back on board. And if, if that movie does well, I don't know what they do for three, but I I can see them going Mike's route just to get people back into theater and get excited for these characters and in the DC I mean, shared universe again. And I, I could still see in justice league working out, in three, if they have to go dark side in two, 
because they could set it up as, okay, we're going to have, you know, Sinestro and Green Lantern facing off, Bizarro and Superman facing off, you know, like, so on down the line. Like, Lex Luthor goes out and finds Bizarro and makes that happen, you know, and just match each one of them up with such a strong adversary that it's not like, oh, Superman's just going to come in and curb stomp everyone while the others run around and do tasks. Um, because let's face it, that's what kind of happens at the end battle in this movie is that they're struggling. Superman shows up. He's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to help you do tasks and I'm going to come in and kill him. And then I'm going to help tasks and then I'm going to come back. And he feels like Superman. And that's one of the yeah. highlights of this movie for me is he feels overpowered as all hell and that's how superman should feel unless somebody's rocking some kryptonite and nobody's rocking kryptonite he's gonna just come in and do his thing and there's nothing that can be done to stop him that's how he should feel which is why so often you see him in the situation he was at the beginning of this film when they tell comic book stories is because they have to incapacitate superman in some way so that there's peril for the team uh yeah in they did that right, but that being said, if they were to put them all in individual dangerous matchups for them, I feel like that becomes a spectacle of a movie to see that people would go for. I don't think it's as much of a spectacle well, that, as Dark Side, but well, that's, that's I, sort I, of my point. Is like I feel like it would be a stepping stone to Dark Side. I just mean story-wise, how does it connect, though? Like, are we just going to skip the whole Steppenwolf to Darkseid thing in Injustice 2? Or, or in Injustice League 2? And say, like, we'll come well, back I mean, they to wanna that. Copy, they want to copy Marvel to a T, I feel like. So, teasing Darkseid the way that Marvel teases Thanos over the course of, you know, eight years or whatever it would take to get to Justice League 3. I could see them doing that. I, 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 you get I to agree. Green Lantern and he's exploring the universe and stuff like that. You could throw in a lot of hints to Dark Side. Right. I, I, I get what you're saying. I just don't see the staying power for the DC movies to actually end up in that spot. Unless you think they'll get canceled really, and canned before they make it to Justice League 3. If they stay on the path they're on. That, that, that's what I mean when things really have to turn around. And what do they have coming up that's going to turn it around? Like what? Wonder Woman 2. The Batman and Wonder Woman 2. The Flash and the Aquaman movies and Shazam are not turning this franchise around. They're not going to do it. Like, Well, I, I don't I don't think that they may as strongly uh, aid in directing them toward that story arc. But I don't know if they necessarily... I mean, I think they could still act as improvements on the reputation. On their reputation, yeah, but they're not going to turn the profits that they're looking for. That I mean, that that, uh, that that's like saying no, that, Ant Man or Black Panther is going to be problem. keeping up with Iron Man. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and that that granted, I feel that has been Warner Brothers' biggest problem is they want to make a two to three. I mean, wasn't it? Didn't Batman Superman cost something like two hundred and fifty to three hundred million dollars? And they want every single one of these movies to do eight hundred million to a billion dollars. And if you look at Marvel movies, most of them don't do that. Some of them do. Avengers did. Um, some of them pull in high I numbers. I would say but most every... do six hundred and fifty plus. 
I'd say the exception uh, to that's probably Ant-Man and perhaps yeah, one or two even, others at most. They they want every one of these movies to do the highest numbers. They want them sure. to do Star Wars business. They they need to make a hundred like with all the effects that they need, yeah, it's going to cost money. They need to make a hundred and fifty million dollar movie and be happy with the five to six hundred million it does. Yeah, I agree. Just like just and like they, they could also did. they made dead they made Deadpool for what like sixty mil? sixty to eighty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it made freaking like seven hundred million worldwide. Well, and box office Mojo is listing Dawn of Justice uh, as two hundred fifty million production budget. There you go. For the for the salaries and the effects and and I don't know if that includes marketing or if that's just production I don't think cost, that's yeah I don't think that's marketing. If that's just production cost, I I could kind of see that in this day and age if that's just how much it costs to make stuff, but that's fine. So if this movie makes three times back its budget, they need to be happy with that and stop trying to to, to assume. That just because you make something big with a certain character in it, that it makes a billion dollars, right? Because then they end up just turning out crap because they think it's in it. It's going to. They don't need to make a good product. X Men Apocalypse. They just need to make. Yeah, they just. Yeah, exactly. They just need to make a movie with a character name, and it's going to do bank. And Batman Superman proved that that isn't true. So, I mean, it made good money at first, but. Just for it hurt the reputation. Just for comparison's sake, Wonder Woman production budget. Any guesses? Uh that production? one I'd say hundred and fifty. I I'd say around there, maybe like one seventy. Uh Box Office Mojo says one forty nine. So there you go. pretty damn close, Mike. I, I would have yeah. lost on the prices right though, so <laughs> you were over. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Sure went one dollar. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, opening weekend for Wonder Woman was better than Justice League. Mm-hmm. That's expected. Wonder Woman's opening weekend was 103, Justice League was what, 90-something? 90 96 or 97, yeah. I think. So not by much, but still, considering $100, $100 million less to make Wonder Woman, and after one opening weekend, they almost made their money back. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean... They, they, I think any movie studio has to accept that you're not going to have many billion dollar movies and they feel like Justice League should be as big as the Avengers but they didn't make it as big as the Avengers. Yeah, I think they were they were upset that BVS didn't cross the one billion, right? It was like eight or nine hundred million and didn't make it all the way there and that was a big loss for them. Yeah, and they pissed and moaned and yeah. again, they... they I'm not even one of those people who is like, oh, you need to worry about your brand. You just need to worry about how greedy and stupid you sound when you're in the creative business and you're pissing and moaning because you made three times your huge budget back, almost four. Oh, but you didn't make a billion and oh, your <laughs> pride is hurt because that other place made a billion on theirs. Are you serious? It's the stockholders. They got to impress them stockholders. Right, but then that's that's the thing. It it the feeling of that carried through to Suicide Squad. They thought we'll put Harley Quinn in a movie and we'll put some cool music in it, and not only will we get money, but everybody will love it and we will be praised. And that was not the case, right? They got their their opening weekend. Everyone went to see it once. Who was curious? And now it has a reputation of being a tire fire. So. 
you know, where does that leave them? And, and I think there was, this was a, a step in the right direction. Um, you know, we can probably start to get a little more, maybe not critical, but critiquing the stuff about this movie that we liked and the actors and, and whatnot. But I think there's a, a lot to like about this movie. Yeah, I do want to get into the characters and stuff like that. Um, just as sort of comparison, money-wise, uh, BVS had an opening weekend of $166 million. The next one out of the gate, Suicide Squad, had $133. Uh, Wonder Woman was 103 Justice League was, what, 96 we said, I think? Mm-hmm. Somewhere around there? I believe so. So increasingly going down. Like, they're, they're not getting as much of a return opening weekend as they were the beginning. I don't know if it's just fatigue from this franchise. People were just not expecting it to do good, so people weren't showing up. Mm-hmm. Suicide Squad budget was actually 175 million, so that was more than Wonder Woman too. And it's not surprising when you put out uninspiring movies to make people want to come back. You're seeing exactly the result right there. Less and less yeah. and less yeah. and less. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get through the characters. What do you guys think of uh, the character? Who do we want to start with? I'll start with the person that I was most surprised by, which was Cyborg, actually. Okay. Um, I, I, I definitely felt that there was no reason that they needed to use this character. They, <laughs> they weren't ready to use Green Lantern or Green Arrow. They felt that they needed someone else on the team, and this was the choice they made. Um, I will say I think it was an effective use of a character who has those capabilities, and I actually was impressed with the actor, um, Ray Fisher. I looked him up. He basically has no resume before this. Okay. Like, literally. I think he has one thing in, like, a short film. And he somehow got cast in this huge tentpole movie as mm-hmm. this character. Um, the like seriousness in those like opening scenes with him, where you're first introduced with him and his dad. Um, I was I was very impressed actually. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I I mean, the guy's trying to convey a whole range of emotions in this movie with half a face, and he does a yeah. fairly decent job of it. Um. I wasn't expecting him to be as talented as he was because we'd never seen anything from him before. And the other side of it is I was actually much more impressed with the CG for Cyborg than I was in any of the trailers. The trailers, the CG for it looked looked awful. It did not look that bad in the movie itself. There were moments where I felt like the proportions... Um, I think, I think it had to do with his head where if I, if I was able to see more of the full scope of like the side of his skull and the back of his head, there was something about, it almost looked like it it, it was, it was like prematurely cut away, like even on his human side, um, it, it looked a little awkward and I think his, his head proportionally wasn't quite quite right all the time for the size of his body but in terms of how polished the effect looked yeah it was light years ahead of what they showed in the trailer 
and I feel the proportion thing you're talking about was intended. Because I feel like he has, I don't think necessarily that it's the size of his head proportion-wise. I actually think it's the size of his body that seems too wide at times. At least from my view, like his shoulders looked too broad across and dropped straight down because of the mechanical shoulders as opposed to having flesh in there and everything like that. Mm, okay. So instead of a narrow robot like you get with a Terminator, he's a broad-chested, you know, large robot. Android, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A cyborg? I was trying not to go that route. I was, <laughs> I was dancing around it and... But, yeah. Uh, I think, for me, I think the CG still kind of felt a little bit off. Granted, I think, to your to your guys' point, it did look better than what the trailers were showing us. More of a finished product in the movie. Uh, but I think it's, it's, to me, there's certain... And it's not just this movie. I feel like it's a lot of movies where you put some sort of human actor engulfed in some sort of CG thing. When you put the, the human actor right smack next to a CG creation... It, it doesn't feel all there to me. Just, like, slightly inconsistent and, and almost, like, unbelievable. Like, it, it just kind of pulls me out of it. He looked the best to me when he had his hoodie on. And he felt more of a human than a robot. Yeah. And it was just his head with a little bit of the CG. The moment he, t- he, gets, he is in his costume and he's mostly 95% CG, it still looks weird to me. I can see that. Granted... Like you guys were saying, Ray Fisher as an actor, I thought, did a really good job with this character in this movie. And, Josh, I think you said you were a little bit surprised why he was in this movie. I think in the rebooted New 52, Cyborg is a founding member of the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Sh- sure. Just uh, even, like, traditionally, I think the actual pragmatic reason that they chose to utilize him was not as much for that as much like for for the fans and to write like the first time you're going to make the justice league especially after the failed attempt like 10 years ago yeah green arrow green lantern martian manhunter the fact that they're not going to be there i i think that's i, I it might not be 100% but i'm going to say that's like 80% of the reason that he's there and 20% that in the like more recent incarnations of the comics, he's a founding member. Okay. Yeah. Or do you think they, like, reverse-engineered it? was like, we need somebody that has tech abilities here. Who's a tech guy? Cyborg. Could be. Uh, yeah, I guess. It, it could have been looking at certain story elements, like how would we get from A to B here or there? Oh, right. well, if we had somebody with this capability. Yeah, potentially. Depends what come first. Like, the if the mother boxes were incorporated in the story before the characters, or if the characters came first and they tried to mold it to fit, you know, the... The story wants to fit the characters like that. You can see it go either way, I guess. Yeah. And I figure you there's a hundred different ways you can uh, come up with ways to separate the mother boxes to, you know, somehow figure out where they might, uh, where Steppenwolf might be keeping them and bringing them together. I, there's tons of different creative ways to get there. Yeah. Uh, anybody else you want to talk about? Uh, did anyone else feel like, especially in the Batcave scene when they, when the team first goes there, that it was almost like they made, they told Ezra Miller, 
okay, watch Lego Batman <laughs> and be the human version of Robin. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't make that comparison until just now that you said that, but I could see that. Yeah, I, I agree. Especially when he zips in and out of there. It's a cave! <gasps> oh, yeah. A bat cave! <laughs> and then he zips right over and sits in the Batmobile, just like Robin did. Like, look, it's the Batmobile! <laughs> it's the Batwing! Oh, it's the Batcanoe! Yeah. Warner Brothers isn't stupid. That movie made a shit ton of money, so they're like, yes. oh, let's, let's take some elements from that. Possibly. problems inside there was hilarious to me. I thought that was a... They're, yeah, they're walking around, like, looking seriously around at everything, thinking Batman's a crazy person, and meanwhile, he's, like, fanboying all over the damn room. And... Yeah, if if, if they didn't do a, as, as good a job as they did already establishing that, like, Ezra Miller's version of Barry Allen is you know, a little socially off and eccentric, it would have, it would, not that the moment would have fell flat, but it would have been, it would have been much more obvious that, oh, they're going for some strange laugh moment here with an awkward character. <laughs> but it, it, it at least seemed to fit the context of what he already brought as Barry Allen. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that character, to me, I think he stole the show in the movie. Like, I, I personally thought he did fantastic for this instance. Um, And, I mean, my favorite thing they did with the character and the way he portrayed it, personally, I was him having to constantly eat. Yeah, I, I, thought, that, I thought that was a nice little twist. Yeah, <laughs> just... It, it gave him, like, an idiosyncrasy to have. Yeah, and then, like, it was, like, instead of, like, the old Flash TV show where he would get tired and need help from the normal people, it was, oh, he just eats all the time, and he's good to go. Yeah. See, that's something they established in the Flash TV show, too. Oh, really? Okay. Was that Barry just has a very fast metabolism and has to consume a lot of food to keep that up. Which I kind of forgot about, because they, they, they do talk about it, but it's not something that is, like, an ongoing gimmick. Like every single yeah, it shows scene up for like single... one or two episodes when it first happened, and then yeah. you just kind of it's not something to focus on, so they just let it go. Right, like there's not like every single scene somewhere that is like at Star Labs or at the police station where like you always see Barry eating because of that thing we said once. Right. Yeah, because exactly, he he runs enough that he should be eating all the time in that show to keep up what yeah. he has to do. Yeah. Uh, I do think Ezra Miller was was a standout for me. I think he, not that he surprised me, it's sort of like from the little bit of the trailers, I guess that's what you expect, like that sort of comedy, and you knew he was going to be the comic relief for all that stuff. Uh, so that worked for me. I thought he did a really, really good job. And I, after watching the Flash television show, I'm still a little bit heartbroken it's not Grant Gustin, because I fucking love Grant Gustin in that show. Yeah. Uh, but Ezra Miller's a good close second for me. And just seeing the Flash on the big screen with CG effects from a movie... And not yeah. a television budget is fucking cool. Yes. Yeah. And as good of a as good of effects as the CW crew is able to pull off with the budget they're given every week, there is definitely a world of difference when you get that extra couple of million dollars. Yeah. Even just like, you know, the TV show, Barry runs away and like they just like blast an air cannon and like papers shoot around. <laughs> yeah. But in this one, when he blasts off, there's like residual sparks. Yeah, from him taking off and the just little things like that. Effect. I thought, 
Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> One of my favorite moments, I will say, is uh, when they revive Superman and they are like he's first because they're confronting him on the memorial platform, and the other three heroes are trying to restrain him, and and Barry's running around him, and you see that slow mo of. <laughs> Superman realizing he's there and his eyes move and just that shock and fear look <laughs> yeah. on Ezra Miller's face like, oh, shit, I'm screwed. <laughs> Can't run away from this one, rut row. And the way like, Superman <laughs> looks at him and his head turns is like straight out of a horror movie type shit. Yeah. Like, that was freaky as hell. Like nobody's wait, wait wait no one's been able to do that before. I don't, I don't know how to deal with this. <laughs> you can't run or hide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you can tell right after that he's very on the defensive, just like awkwardly dodging punches because he's still not sure what to do. Which I feel like even in that scene should tell you right who, right there who wins the race between the two of them. Yeah, fair enough. Flash is faster than Superman when they're fighting. Um, although Superman just came back from the dead, so maybe he wasn't at one hundred percent yet. <laughs> I I don't know that 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 could be an argument to be made. I, I maybe. Barry Allen is just better at hand-to-hand -hand combat. Which he establishes early on, he is not. He's also I mean, in he police training. <laughs> is he really getting police training to work in the crime lab? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The point I'm getting... I can tell you like him, and you're you're, you're trying to help him. I, no, I no, no, don't no. Know if that's I, I'm it. trying to simply say <laughs> that I don't think that means the Flash is faster. I think it means he's able to predict what Superman's going to do sooner. Oh, okay. Like, okay. he's he could see the punch coming, so he can dodge it. That, in I don't think that's the same, because that's Superman moving an arm and him moving his legs as well. I, I'm just... All right, semantics, Mike. Okay. I, I, I'm saying we gotta see the end of that race, because, <laughs> you know, I don't want to lose my bet. Superman should win that race. I, we, like, it, it, I thought Flash won that race in the comics. Uh, in the comics, the original race they tied, like the old. I thought it was old, established somewhere that Flash race. won. No, I'm sorry. I'm talking when like the the 19 like 44 race. I, I want to say it was in the mid 40s. They tied. <laughs> they couldn't determine a winner. All right, I'm gonna Google this. I'm gonna but get back to you. I, I want to say <laughs> not long after that, the Flash wins the race. Like, it, it's if, like in the Flash... 1950s, Flash wins, but in the old 40s comics, they tie. They they don't... Flash can run fast enough to break the time and space barrier. Superman cannot do that. Yes, he can. Superman has flown backwards around the world and gone back in time. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't at all, but that also means he can break that time barrier the same as the Flash, though. It doesn't make any like sense. A, I've always had a no problem sense. with that. It makes no sense. Causing the Earth to reverse its rotation has nothing to do with the concept of time. If anything, Superman just killed everyone on Earth because he screwed up the rotation of the Earth around the sun. Yeah. I agree. Even, well, not even he the He tries to save one person and just... kills everyone on the planet. <laughs> I agree. The people who wrote that into Superman did not understand how to go back in time. They didn't have any clue as to like, oh, if he just goes fast and they enough, had 40, it's back in time. They had 40 years of people who had seen that movie thinking, you know, tell, telling some other jackass, oh yeah, you know, if you, ever got the, if you ever got the Earth to spin backwards, I mean, that would reverse time because <laughs> if it spins one way, 
you know, that's how we experience time because it's spinning one way. So obviously if it goes the other direction, de facto, that's the, that's the opposite of forward time. It's ridiculous. I feel like, are, you, are you channeling like Simpsons comic book guy? That's what I, that's what I hear. <laughs> Almost. I could try. <laughs> Worst I could try. It's, it's, superhero yeah, race he, ever. <laughs> yeah. He's sort of a combination of maybe that voice and the, well, excuse me, guy. Um, in fact, in issue number five, Milton from, uh, Office Space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a swing line. <laughs> uh, you know who I wasn't? And not that I thought that he did bad, but I wasn't... I was surprised that Jason Momoa wasn't relied upon as much to provide, like, all of the comic moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on the marketing. Well, I think from what he said, there was a lot of his story that was cut from this movie. That would make sense because the one thing that, I mean, I, I guess in the context of what was happening in the story, you kind of had to. Aquaman wasn't spending a whole bunch of time being Aqua in this movie. Yeah. And I kind of get why he may have had to, given the sequence of events. But having him on land the whole time and not really even in a setting where he could utilize, you know, water manipulation powers, for instance, as a tool. Um, I thought, like, I, he just seemed like, you know, a, another, like, Viking on land. I agree. <laughs> yeah. But I also think that, given the context that we are introduced to him, mm-hmm. that in so much that he perhaps doesn't have any formal training with his people, and he's just... Aquaman, very strong, very, you know, overpowered, superpowered, whatever, you know, but he doesn't actually completely understand how to use his powers in the water yet, and that we're going to see that in Aquaman, that perhaps he has to learn that from the Atlanteans, Atlanteans. Yeah, I I will say this, this actually increased my interest in his solo movie. Yeah. Yeah. Much more than it, it, and it, that it was. So, I mean, it, it, it did its job. Um, just ba- based on the marketing of like hitting every one of those like surfer bro <laughs> moments. Dude. And, and, but to be fair, it wasn't, it wasn't as over the top as. No, like I looked they were at him as like seem... as a surf cowboy. Like, just a whiskey swilling Aquaman. All right. Now, now we're, yeah, uh, you're, yeah. You're, you're getting more towards the end that I could be interested. He's more of an old salt than he is a, Aquaman like it had that kind of feel okay yeah I can see that uh yeah I don't know I I did kind of like him I guess I felt like he was one of the weaker ones of the team and maybe just because I felt like he had the least amount of screen time yeah it 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 felt like he had the least amount of a vital moment to pull off or to play. Yeah, it just kind of felt like he was there. Yeah. And I remember... Like they get, I feel like they get one scene with him after the mother box is, is destroyed. You get the air bubble and the conversation that's like, here's all his backstory in a real quick paragraph of exposition. Okay, go. And then you forget about it by the time he shows up again later in the movie. Well, and I feel like when we did the trailer review that I counted like nine or ten throws of the trident in the trailers and i <laughs> okay. don't feel like there was that many in the movie 
Mm-hmm. No, I feel like I remember seeing two or three at most. Yep. I, I definitely, honestly, I that's one thing I could have done. Like, if he's going to be a hand-to-hand combatant, especially, if they're not giving him these other abilities to, to have at his disposal yet, I would have absolutely loved to see him doing that, you know, more than they showed us. Yeah. Uh, more more trident throwing. It, yeah, or I mean like and, and like all the all the like staff combat that you got between him and Steppenwolf, it it was okay, but like it, it was like quick moments, quick cuts. It was just for like a brief glance. Like I would have loved to see him kind of go one on one for like a ten to fifteen second stretch. You know, with Steppenwolf where you're getting very clear, distinct uh moments uh, you know, where you're getting a real, like, impression, like, can he hold his own? How skilled is he as a fighter? You know, just swinging that around, jumping around, getting up every time he's hit real hard. That's great. He's tough. But it would have given us a better idea of, like, how formidable he is. Yeah, you know who mm-hmm. they gave those prolonged fight sequences to? Wonder, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Yes. Which makes sense. They wanted to it capitalize does. on her movie. She is still, think, I think, the strongest person of, of this team. Like, she's the one I like the best still. Yeah. I agree. I think they, yeah, I one thing actually reinforced that even more. Yeah. Yeah, very much. The, the only thing, Josh, I think your wife actually pointed this out to me as soon as the movie was over. She's What's like, that? did you notice how much Wonder Woman was over-sexualized in this movie compared to what she was in her own movie? Yes. Absolutely. The, shirt was, scor- the shirt was definitely shorter. Every time Diana is not in her costume, there's cleavage shirts and tight pants. Her hair. Yeah. The hair's not up in a ponytail all the time. It's even, down even around the her, Amazons, thicker, like the, heavier. The Amazon, Amazon costumes are now have this nice, sexy midriff instead of being a full armor costume. All right. I will say, and I, I this is going to sound weird in the current climate to like push back on something like this, but a couple of days before I saw the movie the first time, I heard this report, I guess, like these leaked set photos that someone had put out and, uh, you know, uh, media writers were jumping all over it of like, well, why did they have this costume change? Why did they have to do X, Y, and Z? And, you know, they're, they're just scaling this down and make them, you know, of course, they're taking more clothes off the women. That was effectively like the bottom line of their. And then I watched it and I thought. Like, while I'm watching it, I forgot about that because the action around the Amazonians is so fierce mm-hmm. and they're kicking so much butt and and they're being such great warriors. I, I didn't notice, literally, literally didn't notice what the hell they were wearing the whole time. <laughs> I... I wasn't paying attention, especially to the extent that I thought, oh, look how much more significant... Look, look, look at the increased significant percentage of skin I'm now seeing. Oh, yeah, fanboy. This is a, <laughs> it didn't occur to me. I will at all go both ends here. And I will say I agree with you on that. With the Amazonians, I didn't even notice it. But with Wonder yeah, Woman, I agree actually with that. I definitely noticed that she seemed they, they seemed to really attempt to make everything about her more attractive. In this movie, it seemed like every scene she was in, she was more attractive than before. They were hyping that up. And and the bottom line is there's no need for it. 
Like no, she was right. completely gorgeous and attractive in Wonder Woman without having these over sexualized things in this movie. I don't think it's over sexualized. I, I, I just think it's more sexualized than it was yeah. before. Which makes it over sexualized to me. Like it's it's they set a precedent in Wonder Woman what it Harley could be Quinn and what it was should be. Sexualized. Well, yeah, I'll but give yes. you that too. Wonder yeah. Woman. Yes. If, if, is that's a good comparison. Tastefully sexualized. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I was. It was only the second time that I saw the movie that I even noticed one of the instances you're talking about, and that was when they're, uh, I think they're at the, they're in the back cave debating about whether to bring Bruce, uh, or Spider, blah, Spider Man. <laughs> That's the crossover I want to see next. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Warner Brothers, Sony, get together. Um, yeah, and and they're talking about bringing Superman back from the dead, and the blouse or top that she's wearing is like split down the middle and there's a lot of central cleavage there yeah but to be fair again i didn't notice it at all the first time so i that, yeah i so, i mean sometimes i don't know sometimes really significant differences jump out at me but i get i maybe i ended up being more into this movie than I thought that I really wasn't paying attention to that stuff. Well, you could always look at it too. It's just the setting of the movie in wonder woman one during world war one. There's not a lot of clothes that look like that. She's wearing yeah. modern yeah. clothes. A lot of that stuff looks like that, but I feel like they yeah. went the same route in BVS as they did in wonder woman. I, yeah. feel, I feel like uh, she felt the same I, I, in I, I, BVS I, and wonder woman and that she felt different okay. here. Okay. Um, Oh wait, wait. So you 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 think you think that her poor, the way that they made her up in BVS was different than this? I thought it was pretty much exactly the same. Again, I'm not. I didn't notice any of these differences. The, the... There's at least one shot I can think of. I think when they're they're in the tunnel underneath, the camera is low. Everyone's jumping down. out of a vehicle, and you definitely see at the bottom of Gal Gadot's ass when she's coming out of that. I will say that for the one moment, like two frames that it happens i will admit i i did see that one other than that though all right what what i'll I give don't, you i i don't think the other ones were as glaring as i don't i for what they did other than that i don't think that it lends itself to like the extreme criticism that a lot of the online write-ups are spending time on. All right, oh yeah, so, I'm sure it's more clickbaity stuff stuff than you know what's there. But so what I'll give you the in what I would call it, what I would consider it, and what they did was somewhat more subtle as well. In that, what I would call the George Perez effect. Um. Yeah. Okay. So they they take the original form Gal Gadot portrayed as Wonder Woman, and they subtly sexualize it more. She's wearing more slightly brighter makeup. Her hair has more curve and volume to it and it's more accentuated. It's slightly skimpier clothing that isn't really noticeable until you look at it side by side. Things that create that additional sexuality in the character that you have to be paying attention to pick up and figure out what they are, but you notice that it's more sexual than it was before. But yeah. you may not okay. notice the details of why. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I, I agree. 
anything else for Wonder Woman? Because I think we still have Batman and Superman to cover. Um, not necessarily. I I was happy with again how strong and awesome they made the Amazonians out to be, and you know they definitely had the 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 parallel of like Captain America becoming the leader of the Avengers, you know, over time, I think you definitely got that arc with Wonder Woman in the dynamic of this team in this movie. I mean, they they kind of, well, to, to, to the point where they kind of all, but said it with those scenes with her and Bruce when they're just on their own. I agree. They all, but said it, but, and we can use this as kind of a segue in, but they, they all, but say it. And then Superman shows up and it's like, shit. Granted, yeah. Um, that's Yeah, that's sort of where I'm going. I don't have a clear sense of, like, she is the leader by the end of this movie. No, I feel like he's telling her that because he doesn't know if, you know, Superman's coming or not. Like, he's not sure what Clark's going to do, so he's like, well, who's the most powerful left? They need to lead the team. Oh, it's her. Yeah. She needs to lead the team. You know, she's got the strong moral center like Clark, and she's overpowered as hell like Clark. Okay, she can lead the team, and then he sh- and then Clark shows up, and they're like, oh, I guess we're going to have to follow him now, because he did kind of <laughs> kick all of our asses at once just a couple scenes ago. So, yeah. Yeah, I think... I can see that. Josh, I can see the arc you're talking about. Like, that's... I feel like what they were going for was to have mm-hmm. Diana come around as the leader, and getting into that third act... That's where I'm with it. But like Mike said, as soon as Superman shows up, by the end of the movie, I'm like, okay, well, who's the leader now? Because I feel like it's Superman now, but they were hyping Wonder Woman the entire movie. So it's still it's still unclear to me where, where they're trying to go with that. Which, Agreed. by comparison, at the end of Avengers, you know Cap is leading that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And again, I don't, I don't know if this is script rewrites and... and like a patchwork of a story. Like they had something because I feel like the difference between Snyder's script and Joss Whedon's script is when Superman shows up. I'm I'm assuming Snyder kept Superman until later in the film, or if he shows up in the second act, there's more build up to him coming back. Like I feel like Superman shows up in the second act of this movie, does a has the fight, and then five minutes later he's right back to normal. Yeah, like there's, I feel like there's, there should have been something there to gradually play that out, or bring him back right in the third act and then be okay. I don't know, but yeah, as much as I like having him back, and by the end it's like this feels like Superman to me. The lead up to that is just it feels disjointed to me. I I agree with that. I was surprised at how uh, deliberate the method of his resurrection was like, I I was, yeah, I was assuming it'd be a third act, almost side effect of something else that was occurring. Yeah. It would not have been a deliberate choice by the team to get together, to put these factors in place to try to blast him back into life. Yeah. I have, this might dive into like my plot pointy nitpicks and stuff like that, but (laughs) all right, we finally got there. Go. Uh, I feel like a lot of the stuff they set up in BVS does not pay off in this movie, which I felt like it should have. Okay. One specific about Superman's resurrection, the end, the very last shot of BVS is the dirt rising from the coffin, which you're led to believe Superman is still alive. Maybe he's just recharging and will come back on his own. 
has this some movie, kind of life force. Yeah, this movie, Superman is dead. Mm-hmm. He is not coming back on his own. The only way they can get him is with a mother box. I feel like that completely rewrites the end of B- BVS. I agree. I like, the, it's like the idea that he a, could just regenerate himself based on being under our sun, and over time his body, whether or not he's conscious or not, is going to heal itself and regenerate, and he's eventually just going right. to come bursting out of the coffin and back into the world. That was a cooler idea to me because it can happen anytime. Then you know that, yeah. that it becomes anything can happen at this moment, as opposed to now we're going to get a deliberate scene where they're doing it, and he's already going to be back. It's not going to be a surprise moment. It's not going to even be a question of is it going to happen in this movie, you know, like or yeah, is it going to be next? That's movie? what I was surprised about. And again, that... I I contribute that to Zack Snyder had an idea when Superman would show up in Justice League, and they rewrote mm-hmm. what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Someone somewhere in, in Warner Brothers probably said people want to see Superman. People were asking where Superman is. We got to put Superman in the movie, so they made it show up earlier and as a plot point with this mother box just to get him in the film. Yeah, I could buy that. Of of the things that I did like about this movie, that choice and and the way that that played out was one of the one of the biggest questionable parts for me because i i to be fair i don't necessarily even like the idea of him just being able to recharge over time on his own because to some degree that makes him feel literally immortal he is like, that's just, basically superman though he he is but it i mean kryptonians are not are not immortal there are, not there on are things or, or, right but there are things in the cosmos that can damage them, hurt them, away kill from them. our sun. Uh, 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 right, right. But in the context of just portraying it in these movies, I mean, you're only going to get Henry Cavill as Superman for maybe five or six movies at most. You can't have him. You can't waste time on having him be a messiah resurrection figure. I think that part on his on his on his own. Um, you know, for that short of a time, I I thought it would have been an interesting. Uh, it, what I envisioned happening was through the course of events with the with the antagonist, whatever circumstances that 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 they are trying to deal with with the antagonist, meaning d- does does the antagonist affect the world in some way? Does it affect the air or the plant life? Um, the ecosystems. Does 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 it put some kind of something into the atmosphere so oh, it's in okay. the air? Is is there something happening so that as a side effect to other things happening, it just happens to basically interact with Clark's corpse in a way that allows him to become revitalized? Sure. Yeah. And, and it wasn't it wasn't part of a deliberate part of the plan. I agree. What I will say about this whole thing we're talking about, though, is for me, at least, it led to my favorite scene in the movie. Which was? Superman fighting off the Justice League. Um, <laughs> That's why I'm sort of torn. I'm, I'm sort of torn with that, too, because I do like that scene, like them facing off against him and him like, you're unsure if he's really nuts or if he's going to go the distance with these people, if they're going to be able to bring him around. 
But yeah, it just at the same time, like I argued, I just feel like it was rushed and felt disjointed to me. But at the same time, I loved it, so I I don't know where I fall on it one way or the other. Well, I, I the reason I I, f- I felt it could have gone on longer. I right. Yeah, actually, yeah. I feel like it could have been a longer fight. I I agree with that a hundred percent. But I also feel that right then and there, Superman instantly felt different than we'd ever seen him before on film. He instantly felt. Like, Superman using his powers actively in a fight, as opposed to, I'm just going to fly into a punch, and, or, you know, doing kind of a solo thing, whereas here he's able to use super strength to fend off Wonder Woman while using super speed to watch the Flash, turning around, popping laser vision at Bruce, and then, you know, blowing cold air. Like, I think he does it all in that fight. Like, I think... He just kind of feels the way he should feel. Like somebody, I think it's Aquaman, just gets bitch slapped down. Like, <laughs> and it's just the force that it looks like he hits him with. It's kind of like, okay, now we're talking about Superman. Mm-hmm. Where I never got that feel out of anything before because it, I don't know, they just, it seemed like they avoided the hand to hand confrontations and it was always. Superman flying around somebody and making too much use of that throughout the other films. Have we watched the same movies? Because Man of Steel is literally (laughs) him punching Zod everywhere, and the same with Doomsday. Right, but you're talking about situations they put him in with beings as powerful as him. This is the first time you get to see him go and just kick wholesale ass on people that can't stand up to him. Okay, okay. Like, him and Zod, it's like he, one punches the other and they fly across the planet, you know, like, it's like, okay, this is gonna happen every time they get into a tussle and somebody lands a blow, one of them's gonna fly a couple hundred feet. Yeah, I I, I get it now. The way you were talking to me, it seemed like you've never seen Superman throw a punch in any other movie before. No, no, I'm talking like, like, sustained hand-to-hand combat is what I mean, where it's like they're punching and dodging and not moving, like, he's... Standing there, kind of shrugging them off as they all come and attack him, and he's swatting them away like flies. Right, okay. And, I don't know, it it just felt different than other Superman fights you see in movies. So here's here's a stupid nitpick, and I want to know if this bothered anybody else as much as it bothered (laughs) me. They pull Clark out of the coffin in a full suit. They submerge him in a full suit. I heard you saying this last night. It's really get under your skin. <laughs> he comes out of there with just pants on. Like, where's the other suit? Where's the rest of the suit at? Uh, the female right, audience all, it, demanded it, it, it be missing. Um, I, I, I figured that. <laughs> that's that's the justification I have. But I feel like he should be fighting them in a suit. But, okay, he, at least the pants that he still has on match what he had on in the coffin. True. So it's not True. like... It just... Okay. Also, he just... Uh, was brought back from the dead in a massive energy surge and blew out of the Kryptonian ship and into the atmosphere and everything else. I, I can give it a little bit of leeway in thinking that, uh, you know, do- during that transition, the fabric and, and the seams which held his frail human-made suit jacket and uh shirt together went went astray well here's the thing the argument to that is i i don't see his clothes vaporizing especially if his pants survived the transition 
I don't think they vaporized. They just ripped apart and flew away. What's what I mean? Like the easy, the easy justification for me, just to to seal the logic gap there of having clothes and then suddenly not having clothes. Have them be ripped and tattered. He finds himself in front of the memorial, kind of looks at his clothes, realizes they're ripped, and then takes them off to just have pants on. Yeah, and then the ladies Possibly. get a reveal on it too. It's not just there. Yeah, it just seems like the clothes disappear into nothingness for me. And and to me, it's like, wait, you had clothes, and now you don't have clothes. I don't understand what just happened. So, I'll, since we're nitpicking, I'll throw another one out. And one of my biggest nitpicks was what felt like a Tony Stark line put into Batman. That they set up... Oh, the the Batman lines, that's another thing for me, but go ahead. The the one I'm specifically talking about, they set up and then they used it when he's like, oh, let's pull in the big guns. That feels 100, like that term, everything about it feels like Joss Whedon put that in and it's Tony Stark. Like that to me, the Mm, whole thing felt Tony Stark, not Batman. And even at that, there was still a small percentage of me inside that was like, it's probably going to be something like his mom and, you know... Lois Lane and all that, and okay, fine. That's what it's probably going to be, but there was still that small inkling that's like, let it be the Lantern. Let it be Lantern. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just like, let the call be made and have him come in and be the only one that can stand up to Superman. Like, would have been cool to introduce him that way and then have him say, like, okay, you're good now? Alright, I'm out. And <laughs> just disappear. But... <sighs> well, let's use that to spin into Batman, because we didn't cover Batman yet. And I sort of talked about this when we were sort of generally talking, but the the jokes that Batman has felt so out of character to me. Like, I don't... If there's one character that should not be making jokes, it should be Batman. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think he should have been stone-faced okay. the whole time. And if he cracks a joke, completely deadpan. Like, no emotion. What's, even the line that got a lot of laughs from people, I felt like, is at the end... Superman yeah. asks Batman about, like, liking him or something, and he's just right. like, well, I I don't not like that is a Joss Whedon line that should have been to any other character besides Batman that felt so and then the whole like writhing around on the ground like oh something's bleeding that's not Batman like he just fucking grunts gets up and goes back and and walks it off well I see see I feel like Batman is more not even just like grunts walks it off he's more like you know like Alfred my third rib has pierced my something that's yeah yeah, something like that I when I get back, I'm gonna need you to do this kind of surgery on me. Like I feel like that's Batman, not like I don't know if they picked him just because he's the least likely to make jokes. So people think, oh, this is funny because Batman's making a joke. But possibly certain character, just just the way the characters are. You look at BVS and then go to this. There's no jokes in BVS, and he's cracking like yeah. five or six jokes in this movie. It felt it- completely different. There's a there's a bit of a leap, and maybe there's a little bit of capital that they felt that they needed to spend, you know, to to reconcile for some of the mood of BBS. So like, all right, we're we're gonna pull it, we're we're gonna swing the pendulum back, maybe uh, slightly too much the the other direction this time. But I feel like they were also still reined in enough those comments that like they were nowhere near, you know, the type of uh, punchline moments that they were giving Aquaman or Flash. I, I will give you that. Yes, they are more subtle jokes, and if Batman's going to tell a joke, I guess they're they are the least amount of dialogue for him to tell a joke. Yeah, short, simple, concise, I mean, to the point type of thing. But I, I feel like 
Christopher Nolan got Batman jokes right. In that Batman didn't have to say the joke. It was, you know, Commissioner Gordon turning around to him being gone and being like, he does that. (laughs) Like, that's a decent Batman joke. It's dry. It's not that funny. It works in context. It's fine. Yeah. The trying to be outright funny with Batman, I, I wasn't a fan of. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you guys this. What did you think of Affleck's Batman? Because I, I feel like I liked him. Like, looking back at BVS, I feel like he was one of my favorite parts of BVS, as his Batman yeah. and how he did Batman. I thought he was the weakest link for this team for me in this movie. Really? I didn't think Ben Affleck wanted to be there. I felt like he was phoning it in. As as Batman or Bruce Wayne? Both. Really? Because I, I, I really enjoyed all of his Bruce Wayne scenes. Uh, actually, you know what? Yeah, Bruce Wayne wasn't that bad, but the Batman stuff, him, everything in him in costume, I felt like it just it he didn't seem like he wanted to be there. Which, you know, hearing all the rumors about him trying to maybe not come back as Batman after this, or you know, we don't know what's going to happen. I wasn't sure I wanted to believe it, but after watching this, I I could put a little bit more weight with that. What I I would challenge both of us to watch it one more time when we get a chance through the prism of specifically thinking about that question i think what we should do is watch bbs first and then this that's true but like just looking at the batman scenes meaning how much time do you actually get ben affleck acting as batman in the scenes where batman is fair not not that many and 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 just and I'm I'm not necessarily taking the counter side to your argument, but mm. a lot of the time that Batman has on screen is driving a thing, jumping around, and then the couple of moments where you really do get him to stop and 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 deliver dialogue and talk to a person. Some of them, unfortunately, they did use with some of the moments you're talking about. Like the, well, I don't not like you, yeah. Clark line. So I can see why you're saying that, but it didn't, it didn't really hit me that way as when he was as Batman, just because anytime, even like Christian Bale is in the suit, there's very little time you're getting Christian Bale looking at you, interacting with a person as the persona of Batman. You don't have a whole lot to go on. That's true. I, I feel I like know. Christian I Bale like... had a lot more than what you've seen out of Ben Affleck, though, because... Well, so far, so far, yes, but compared to his Bruce Wayne screen time, even well, even comparing like Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne from BVS, I felt like he, I don't know, he seemed more invested in that character. I, I mean, cared more, I, conveyed more. I didn't get that with this movie. What I'll give you on that, from my end at least, I feel like in BVS there was too much Ben Affleck coming through while he was in the costume. And I feel like I was more immersed in the presence of Batman in Justice League because there wasn't much Ben Affleck coming through. Okay. Like, it didn't... At no point was I... Would I say that I was immediately aware at any time other than prior knowledge that, oh, that's a Ben Affleck kind of thing, or that's, you know... Well, it's not even like the star power of Ben Affleck is pulling me out of it. I just felt like mm-hmm. acting performance just wasn't on par with what I've seen him do already. And it was a noticeable right. step down for me 
And especially compared to some of the other people that look like they are visibly having fun in this movie, like Ezra Miller, mm-hmm. who seems like he's having a blast. And then you go to Affleck, and I, you know, I don't know if it's just because they're trying to make Batman that broody and like, you know, miserable, I guess. But that's, again, that's not the sense I got from BVS compared to this one. And I don't know if it was just more because I was comparing him more to other new characters that he seemed like the weakest link for me, but that that's me. All right. Can we also... I. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, was, I, my, I think my, fav, my, my standout scene for him was after the Superman fight, uh, when Wonder Woman sees how beaten to hell his body is, when he's trying to get the suit off, and she has to uh-huh. crack his shoulder back in place. Uh, first of all, that, like their dialogue exchange is one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and I think it's, I think that scene does a lot. For both the characters, especially where there is somewhat of a power struggle anyway, she has to see him as a mortal man. She doesn't get those bruises. Superman didn't get those bruises. You kick Batman across a field and slam him into a police car that dents halfway through. That's what happens to a human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she has to somewhat reconcile with this is not a god. This is not an alien. This is just a guy that goes out and does this. And in his moment as Bruce Wayne with having to have that conversation with her about leadership and I, I forget if it's that one. I think the other one he has with uh Alfred about like why did we need Superman cuz he's more human than I am. Yeah. Like I I thought that did a lot for the character and I liked his delivery. I agree. Okay. It, can can we also talk about the fact that they've just been subtly through Two movies now hinting at the romance between Wonder Woman and Bruce. And yeah. I'm not so sure Bruce can handle that. Um, <laughs> it's too much heat. I, well, you know, I, I personally think there's a reason why they never went down that kind of road with him in the comics is because he's just a man. You know, once that suit's off, yeah. you know. It's the same conversation from what Mallrats of like yeah. who yeah. Superman can have sex with, except it's the other way around. It's only only Wonder Woman. He could never. The only way he could do it with uh, Lois Lane would be a kryptonite condom, which of yep. course would kill him. <laughs> Love that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I I got hints of that. I also had this like hope that maybe they're literally just trying to portray this sort of like adult, um, like peer respect. Where they are kind of like these like dueling, struggling co-leaders, sort of. I I don't get me wrong. The the potential attempts at like you know planting the seeds of romantic blossoms were definitely there. Did not pass me by, but I'm hoping that they don't pursue it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, that, that that's that wouldn't be good. Uh, so one other hero we haven't talked about is Superman. What do we think of Superman? And how distracting was his face? Like, did anyone else look at his mouth and be like, you should have a mustache there, that looks weird. I didn't know about it until after when you told me about it. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. So, I wasn't looking there for were certain... it, so I didn't notice it. I think there's there's definitely some close-up shots and certain things where he's making different, I don't know, faces on his face. That it just, I don't know, above his lip just feels slightly off. I, I, and I, think I, if... I couldn't tell you where or when or why, but... Yeah. Well, I guess we know why, but... 
uh, for me, I think, I think they may have been reimagining the resurrection sequence before the reshoots, because to me that whole struggle with the other teammates by the memorial, um, the the effect to his face did not. Uh, it didn't stand out to me. What stood out to me the most was when he's standing in the cornfield talking to Lois. Oh, okay. With with the, the the digital manipulation of his face. See, I noticed it more. I felt like in the in the memorial fight. Really. I get, I gotta have to look at it. Like I'd have to be sitting there with you and be like, "Look right there." Like I can't. <laughs> I can't right off the top of my head say yes specifically this scene, but. We'll we'll just have to find a time to go then. Yeah. <laughs> you you watch. We'll we'll watch. Uh, we'll watch Superman's face, and, and we'll make a log of uh, Batman time. Yes. I really want somebody <laughs> to get a hold of this film and edit in the mustache. Right. Oh, I want to see the dailies of just like yes. Henry Cavill with a porn stash acting like, like that, Superman. Yeah. yeah. Like people are talking about. Oh, I want to see a director's cut. No, I just want to see the raw footage. <laughs> Or not even to say the raw footage, like the finished footage, just sans the mustache removal. Yeah, <laughs> I think I want to see what it. Looks I really like. hope in like the special edition Blu-ray 3D, whatever the hell they put out, that there's something yeah. of that in there as a gag. I mean, reel. they gotta have a gag reel or something. Yeah, yeah, come on. That's a that's an opportunity, especially after that all the headlines that was making. Yeah. You have to put that in the gag reel. Yep, it would show a complete lack of self-deprivation. And like l- lack of a sense of humor about the situation for them not to do that. Yeah, yeah. Even in unfinished deleted scenes, like yeah, yeah, they could do that. Yeah, just something where we can get a laugh at it. Like <laughs> they just like put, you know, like how they can sometimes they'll release like a quote extended cut, and they're basically just integrating the deleted unfinished scenes into a like full version. That's what they should do. Just leave those scenes in. Make a version where you're leaving those scenes in. And so he goes from like one scene not having the mustache to another one where it hasn't been taken out. And then it's gone again. And uh, yeah. It's going to be the best because none of the characters will acknowledge the mustache at all. Exactly. So you're almost looking at the people you're watching the movie with being like, did you, did you see that? (laughs) Was there facial hair there? Yep. That makes me think of the episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they make Lethal Weapon 5 and the two Guys playing Murtaugh and Riggs change roles multiple times in the film. <laughs> like, one of them's playing the black guy, one of them's playing the white guy, and then next scene, the other one's wearing blackface, and the other one's got the Australian <laughs> accent on friggin' Riggs for whatever reason. <laughs> like, oh. uh, So I think we talked about it a little bit, but what did you guys think of Superman in this movie? I was actually a little bit surprised how much we got of Superman in this movie. It was more than I was expecting. I was... I was yeah, yeah, and I think Mike might have said it uh, when Superman finally shows up in the third act of the movie. That was Superman to me. The power set, the attitude, like there was none of this like gloomy. I'm gonna be mopey because I'm Superman bullshit that was in the other two movies. <laughs> Which at the same time is kind of a nitpick for me that he seems like he did a complete 180 character turn from the other two movies they've established to this one. He wakes up, goes back uh, yeah. to the farm, he did and die suddenly in he's between there. Though that's the thing. Yeah, I, I I can buy it at this point. But I think it's more just the resurrection and how quickly he's like, I'm better now. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it that was, was that was turn. way too easy. But they used love to put that away. They used love okay. to turn it 
so that it would be okay. I'm still not sure that I'm okay with it, but they <laughs> use the power of love to make it so that you can't nitpick too power hard on it. Love. Yeah, that's one of those things where the extra 20 to 25 minutes of the movie would have been very helpful. Right. And we would... Yeah, that's something I definitely want to add it in there. I mean, I I thought it would have been awesome if like they actually had to deal with him for a longer period. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he, just, just kind of like the Hulk in a Age of Ultron. Like, make him yes. a menace for a while. Yes. And then, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, like, don't make it so that Batman calls in Lois and Martha. Make, make it so that, <laughs> you know, he's being Not a menace, mention, I feel like... and Lois takes it upon herself to hunt him down. And catch up with him to try and talk mm. reason to him. Yeah, that probably yeah. would have been better. Although, not to mention, like, Lois shows up at the park. Granted, there's only, like, two cops there, but she's definitely just shouting Clark at this guy. Mm -hmm. Like, the secret identity ah. is makes no... They don't care. I don't, I don't think his that. secret identity mattered anymore at that point. <laughs> Like, like they're I mean, it should matter. Clark is effectively back from the dead too, right? That's never addressed. Well, I, I was wondering I, I, about that. Well, I think we're just walking down the street at the end. I yeah, does he go back to the Daily Planet? Like, is anyone going to acknowledge <laughs> he was in the paper as a dead man and suddenly comes back when <laughs> Superman does the same fucking day? He's on the he's and he's on the byline the next week. Yeah, that's not convenient to anybody. No, that's totally fine. Uh, I like my sabbatical's over. I think that scene had that problem. Being what? a big problem, but I also love the throwback to pulling off the shirt and the suits on underneath, yes. the running along, and just yes. bam, Superman's yeah. coming. That was a good tossback for me. Like that. But it doesn't make logical sense. Ne but yeah, Superman's I... disguise has never made logical sense. It's like, oh, let me put on yeah. the chic nerd glasses and I'm incognito. Which it, it is why the. Uh short film teaser thingy for Deadpool a couple of months ago was so genius. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't even think I'd seen an Instagram video of, of, and I think this was back when BVS was coming out, but Henry Cavill was literally just like standing in the street of New York, put glasses on and no one said shit to him. And he was standing <laughs> in front of a BVS poster that was on the side of a building. That's awesome. So that was his proof of like, look, the Clark Kent, Clint, Clark Kent disguise works. <laughs> that's amazing I would tell him maybe there's some people that recognized you and didn't want to bother you that could be too do yeah. the same thing at Comic Con <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll, we'll, we'll see how unrecognizable you are but I mean aside from the disguise like that's just a staple of Superman so fine I accept it but the fact when you declare Clark Kent <laughs> dead and he comes back to life the same even if it's the same weekend that Superman does <laughs> like, it seems like the next day there are people at the Kent home with Clark just walking around. If people read the paper, that guy's a dead man. What the Not fuck is he doing back? works like, hey, with hey. a bunch of investigative journalists. <laughs> right, right. Hey, uh, at the house with the movers, uh, he wasn't wearing his glasses, so he did not look uh, like Superman in street clothes. That's you know fair. what? That was also a point in which I was actually, the first time I'm watching this movie, I'm actively thinking in my head, what kind of dickhead is he hiring movers? <laughs> like just that hadn't occurred to just me just pay somebody just give them the money and be like you know what guys i got this one and he doesn't even have to uh, just i you know i wouldn't even 
I didn't even see that as Clark hiring movers. I saw that as Bruce Wayne hiring movers. I don't give a yeah, shit who hired the movers. Still. They wasted gas and they fr- they're like he doesn't. <laughs> there's no like I don't care if people are gonna think it's weird to see Superman flying through the air with a friggin' king bed and a bedroom suite held up on top of him. Maybe, but maybe Clark was just like, "This is more penance from you trying to kill me. I am taking more of your money and I'm putting it towards <laughs> these movers." Yeah, I'm helping the economy. Yeah. I'd be I'd be taking people's gerbs if I. It's a, it's a charity case for him. Yeah, but at the same time, he still stands there and watches them do it. Yeah, they weren't <laughs> struggling. I don't. I, he's Superman. <laughs> I don't care. He can do it with no effort in the blink of an eye. <laughs> and he's yeah, watching them that, like carrying what, his what table is, into his house. And what, what, what are those guys going to do for their livelihood? They're going to get paid. They brought the stuff to his house. The boss isn't going to know that <laughs> Superman carried everything into the house. And even if the, the, the people were like, oh, Superman carried it in, they'd be like, bullshit. I don't believe you. <laughs> like, I, it, to me, personally, I think, you know, it, Superman protecting us from aliens is really great. But instead of being a damn journalist in his downtime from fighting off planetary threats, he should be going around just doing every job he possibly can for a few hours a day. Just, <laughs> just odd jobs. Yeah, think about what it would do for the economy. Like, <laughs> how much significantly less would Trump's wall cost if Superman built it? <laughs> it, it? So that 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 would be the major thing. Is he he would have to do a lot of like public service projects. He'd yeah, have to absolutely. do like bri- bridge building and road <laughs> paving and building stuff. Dams, you know. Yeah, uh, tearing dams down, whichever you know, like. <laughs> but and, I mean, it, it's honestly, why wouldn't he be doing that kind of stuff? Instead, he goes to do do journalism, and it's like you know, like you could be helping a lot of people out here, like a lot. He, he could be clearing roads with heat vision in the winter. <laughs> Maybe he does. And, you don't and know. And at the speed of light that he basically moves at, he could probably clear entire states in a matter of moments. Yeah. Maybe I mean, sadly, the camera can't follow Superman all hours of the day, so we don't know exactly. what he does when he's not in the Daily Planet. You're throwing a lot of shade. <laughs> Life happens between the panels. <laughs> there ain't nothing between the panels that's showing me he's doing this kind of stuff. It's never mentioned. <laughs> there you go. You got the green light to write your own Superman comic. Superman day to day. Plowing snow. He doesn't have to. Building dams. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> um, oh, can I ask one thing that uh, I didn't understand? In the flashback that uh, Wonder Woman, I think it's Wonder Woman, is talking about like the, the last time that Steppenwolf showed up and you know everyone came together, there's a character... Uh, well, first of all, I thought it was really cool that they threw the lantern. Yeah. The lantern in there. I thought that was a good... Because you, know, like, we, you, you get that like fan service moment. You're like, okay... They're in the universe. They're there, but they didn't need to go beyond that and make a whole big deal about it. I thought that was a good use. But who is the character that's kind of like Thor or something, and he's like using like lightning out of his hands? He he almost looked like a, a Hercules type of like um, barbarian that, warrior. That I person. believe was meant to be Zeus. Okay, that was my only guess because of the lightning, but I I was just confused i I've, i and, just went uh, figuring zeus because they had her battle Ares before and that makes it the very 
simple connection, Ares to Zeus. Yeah. Um, I think it would have helped that a little bit had they had Ares visible in that battle as well, fighting alongside them. Yeah, yeah. Um, to reinforce that, yes, those are 100% the Greek gods. Right, right. As opposed to just having to assume. Okay. But if I had to guess, that would be my guess. I don't specifically know. Okay. Alright. I'll buy that. It didn't affect me all that much. I was just curious. Yeah, I think my... Like, I remember when I watched it, my gut reaction was like, oh, that's Hercules. But then I was like, no, wait, Hercules is in the Marvel Universe. That's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. Um... I, well, to be fair, I, say, I think there's a Hercules if you look in both, at the, but go ahead. Well, if you look at the cast for Justice League, Zeus and Ares are both listed. There you go. Then I would say it's definitely Ares, Zeus. like David Thewlis. That's who it says. Really? I didn't. Okay, I mean, that's what IMDb says. Now, I don't know that to see. Yeah, him. you'd have to really look at those scenes, and for all we know, that's something that was in an original cut that maybe got you know maybe got cut from the movie. Maybe they had bigger scenes or something. I I don't yeah. know. All right, fair enough. But the the person that plays Zeus is Sergei Constance. Does not have a picture, so I don't know. You can't even <laughs> compare to what. Oh, of course, Sergei. And given that information, I would presume that that is definitely who Zeus is. Then, if Zeus is listed in credits, okay, okay. Because if that's not Zeus, um, when the hell else were they including him, or who the hell else was he? <laughs> yeah, except for the guy shooting. Uh, <laughs> what did you guys think of the decision to go with? a mostly all-CG character in Steppenwolf. I thought he looked like we, I sort of expected Cyborg to look bad, and then I thought he looked okay. Yeah. I felt like Steppenwolf looked bad. I, I think he looked out of place. It was yes. so... The contrast was so different. And and I, I don't know why they did that. I mean, they've shown that they could do really cool things with makeup and prosthetics and costumes and everything. Like, well, I don't know why they did the, that. The thing, Steppenwolf in the comics comes in many different shapes and sizes, depending on okay. who drew him. There's humanoid versions of Steppenwolf, where he looks like a just a man with some badass armor. And, okay. you know, of course, the powers and everything like that. But I think where they failed... Steppenwolf the most in this movie was the very poor explanation of the new gods. Um, okay. And where he just says, oh, your old gods are dead. We are the new gods. Who are the new gods? Because they... Yeah, a lot of his backstory, like where... Like, I know of like a teeny tiny little bit to know that those things that he transports around on are boom tubes. But a lot of, like, well, where are those coming from? Who's in control of those? Uh, who can utilize them? Where do they go? What is their purpose other than... Is Heimdall at the that, other end of yeah. that thing? Um. Right. There was there was a lot to his side of it. And, and to be fair, there was a lot... I kind of found myself... And maybe this is the point. He wasn't the most interesting thing about the movie. No. His quest wasn't what was keeping me interested in everything. So maybe they didn't need to do all that, but it did feel like, right, like they, like, let me show you this thing, let me tell you about the new gods, but not really explain it, tell you why it's important, etc. 
is it almost felt like why do it at all? Yeah. Yeah, he might have had a backstory too that got cut from the movie for all we know. Because I definitely think they needed to explain what he's, you know, give more of a purpose for him because there wasn't enough for really going for him to get behind it. It was just someone for people to punch. Yep. It yeah, was a powerful yeah, as enemy. we've talked, yeah, as we've talked through this episode, I'm actually gotten more on board with your desire to see an original cut or maybe like read an original, like more, uh, an older draft script or something. Yeah. We went like there was a little piece of me too, because I thought not just relegated to the end credit scene, but I thought Lex Luthor was supposed to be a little bit more in the movie and then he got cut. Could be. I, I would have, I wanted to real. I really thought they were going this way. And now I kind of, I don't, again, this is just conjecture. Yep. They make it when they're looking at the mother boxes, Bruce and Alfred in the beginning of the movie, they mentioned Luther's notes. Yeah. I was almost expecting Bruce or someone to go question Luther while he's in prison oh, about okay. his notes, trying to get information of what he knows and stuff like that. I thought that could have been a really fun scene. And given mm-hmm. a lot of explanation. Right, that could have been, ex- yeah, exposition backstory that we didn't get about Steppenwolf that Lex Luthor could have filled us in on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because he presumably learned all that shit from the Kryptonian ship in BVS. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, trying to think what else. I feel like I have, like, one or two other nitpicky things. <laughs> Uh, and it was more or less sort of going back to, I think I mentioned how, like, certain things in BVS do not line up with this. Like, uh-huh. the whole, we might have talked about it a little bit already, but the whole, like, nightmare sequence that Batman has. Yeah. Talking about Darkseid coming. None of that pays off here. And even Flash's warning immediately after that doesn't pay off here. Maybe. Th- those two specifically, though, I could see those being longer game plays so they're not intended for this movie they're intended for a couple movies down the line uh potentially and they might not even be intended for the same one um flash might uh, depending on how deep they go and how long of a movie of flashpoint they make maybe we see that moment come back around in flashpoint whereas the dark seed stuff is right it maybe it's for justice league two or three or something right okay Yeah, I mean, at this point, we can't make a ruling one way or the other, but to me, I just felt like the build-up for those didn't pay off here, and I felt like it should have, but... Okay. Yeah, you're right. Did did it feel to you like they initially intended for it to be, like, they were teeing it up there for this, and so therefore you were, like, caught off guard when it didn't? Well, here's the thing. Again, because the quickness with which Superman is resurrected and then becomes back to normal... Yep. Had they resurrected him and him not come back to normal would lead right into the nightmare sequence. Yeah, I actually was wondering that's kind of how it felt. It might have been going like Superman kind of batshit crazy. Obviously, it seems like in that sequence, he's sort of avenging Lois or or doing this because Lois died, which I don't know if they would have done that in, in this in Justice League. But if he would have come back and still been a little bit crazy, it could have let the breadcrumbs started for, you know, and then you start leaving Superman open like that and you're not sure if he's going to come back around. And then Bruce starts remembering that sequence and is like, wait a minute, I feel like we're headed in this direction. This is what we have to stop. Instead of just like 15 minutes later, he's fine. And, and it just kind of puts that out the window. 
I mean, I guess, well, at the same time, I guess you could still lean a hook on Lois, because Lois is the one that brings him back. If something bad happens to Lois, it could still send him over the deep end. True. So, yeah, if to, to your point, if they're playing the long game, then maybe this will all be for naught, and this I'll feel a little bit better about those sequences if they play, pay <laughs> off later. Um, the only thing I'll say on that is, what about Bizarro? What about what? Bizarro? <laughs> Perhaps they're not going to make Bizarro look quite so bizarre. So he's just a crazy Superman? Yes. Ooh. I don't know enough to know what that means, but okay. <laughs> Bizarro Superman looks almost kind of zombie-ish. Backwards-ass. Backwards-ass. Like, he's, he's very, very, very clearly not Superman. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Like it, it, but he has all the powers, all that kind of thing going on. Maybe in their film universe, he'll look just like Clark. Because how would he seemingly know? Like, seem to imply that Lois was a key for him. Like, would Bizarro love Lois or have some sort of connection to her or something like that? Maybe he's gonna try and use her against Superman. Because the line of dialogue in that sequence is, is Superman basically says to Batman, she was my everything, and something along those lines. And I think he even bl- blames Batman. I think he says to him, like, you took her from me. Wow. And then he proceeds to melt a couple guys and try to kill Batman. That's, um, a, that's a hard that's a hard pull on my part. But I might have to YouTube the, the, the nightmare sequence again, because I don't remember the exact lines of dialogue, but I think it's something along those lines. Uh, one other thing that just kind of felt out of place to me is the opening of the movie. I don't, I feel like there should have been more set up to Batman stumbling across parademons instead of just like knowing what they are right out of the gate of the movie and like how to lure them out. It was just, it started kind of quick to me. Once I think, I think you're going right back to the same spot though, where cut content. Yeah. Like him so, hunting yeah, it's down just, it's more just kind of like logic gaps to me. For a couple of days, a couple of incidents are heard about on the news station, and he starts to go looking for them, figures out that they turn up when people are in fear because of something he sees on the news when he spots one that happened close by, you know, say a bank robbery where somebody got shot and they showed up and he was there to see them show up. And he, I don't know, something that leads him down that path yeah. to fear. And again, yeah. I like those slow, slow burn type things instead of just like being in it, like all of a sudden. Yeah. So I, I actually, I, on the one hand, I enjoyed the fact that you just like jumped right in and got a like Batman beats up a criminal scene right in the mid- beginning. But it wasn't until the second viewing that I, I saw the opening scene again and realized what it meant. Like he was doing it deliberately as bait, mm-hmm. right? Not necessarily just his typical crime fighting. Um, that it was, it almost seemed the first time I watched it, the opening just felt coincidental. Yeah, there, ha- exactly. there happens to be yes. a parademon in the area at the time in Gotham where he is, you know, come upon this cat burglar. Yeah, that's what it felt like the first time. But it then, yeah, you catch on after after seeing the movie and and understanding the ending of it. Then watching it again, only only then did it click with me. Yeah, I I completely agree because I think 
there's cer- there's certain quick cuts in that sequence and I that I didn't pick up on until the second viewing, but he like glances at a keypad on his wrist. Yeah. It shows like him the criminal and a red dot for the parademon that he knows is below him. Yeah. And he's trying to feed upwards so he can grab him and try to check him out. But yeah, cuz I think up until like really the only other run in Batman would have had with parademons is the nightmare sequence before that. So suddenly these things right. from his dream are in reality. He seems to be completely cool with it. Like that just fell off to me. Yeah, it it took me a couple minutes after the opening scene to realize well, I mean, immediately once he starts talking to Alfred, it's clear that they've been dealing with them for a few weeks, a few months. Right. They're, you know, it's now part of their world, etc., but yeah, you are left initially thinking, wait, why is this normal to him? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's pretty much all that I have. Do you guys have anything else you want to touch on? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I did like that small, the little joke where Ezra Miller sprints all the way out of town to get that one family truck of four people out of the way, and then <laughs> Superman flies by with the entire building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked that. I did. <laughs> yeah, Superman and the Flash one-upping each other back and forth was fun. They they feel like they have kind of like a uh, they they sort of remind me of like the the Falcon uh, Winter Soldier dynamic. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was going more Gimli and Legolas. Like, ah, yes, yes, I'm there. <laughs> Uh, do we want to round this out with uh, some ratings? Try to go out of ten. Sure. Josh, the big question is: Were you? I can't remember. Were you on the Justice League or not? Just uh, BVS review when we did it. Oh God, I don't remember. That was over a year and a half ago. Okay. I you know I recently listened to it because I wanted to go back and get my rating, and then I completely was kind of oblivious to who else was on the show. I think it was me, Mike, Andy, and Ian. Now that I think about it. Okay. So no, I don't think you were there. I also want you to look up something, because I'm b- vaguely recalling from that that there may have been a bet made that had to do with Justice League at the end of that, somewhere in that show. Maybe not at the end, but... No, I don't know. I missed it then. <laughs> I know okay. there's a Justice League-related bet at one of our things out there between me and Ian. I can't remember. I- oh, it wasn't. I think, I think the mic that was on was Romano, not you. Oh, for okay. BBS. I would say they, I know, but I know there's a Justice League related bet on one of the podcasts somewhere. <laughs> you want to go end. back through the hundred and some that are out there? Would be my guess, oh. but I don't remember off. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what the bet been. was that we made either. I, I honestly don't. So I don't know if well, I we'll want to lost. Fil- <laughs> yeah, we'll start by filtering all episodes that only have Mike Bradley and Ian on. <laughs> Still, probably a good chunk, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, as far as ratings, why, why don't you go first for once? You always put it on all of us, then you go last. <laughs> uh, well, again, I, I went back and listened to BVS because I wanted to make sure I rated this above BVS. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, if you, if you start to compare, yeah, yeah someone, I, I don't want to... So, if somebody ever comes back to you... Right. Uh, so I actually rated BVS 7 out of 10, which is better than I thought I would have. Like, looking yeah. back, I feel like I should have given it, like, a 6 or 6.5. Yeah. Um, so I'm still going to give this like a 7.5 for me. Again, I, I got real nitpicky with it. There's things that bother me. I still find this very enjoyable and I do think it's one of the better DC movies out there. It is not Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is still top tier for me. Agreed. 
but it's still one that I would find infinitely rewatchable. I think it's it's good pace-wise. If you don't think too hard on the stuff that I took the time to think about, you can still enjoy this and have be fine with it. All right. So yeah, I'm going. I'm going seven point five right. for me. Um, for the first time, I actually am going to just say I concur. Seven point five is kind of where I was at. Um, same reasons. It's fun. It's enjoyable, but it's not. It's not getting into that top end type of a rating. It's something I will definitely watch yeah. quite a few more times over the next mm-hmm. few years, but. I mean, we might not get a director's cut like a Zack Snyder cut, but do you think we'll get an extended cut on home video? You always get extended cuts. I hope. Like, it it seems like everything has an extended cut now. Even if it adds three minutes, you get an extended cut. Right. Well, I mean, in the way that, like, they very deliberately and intentionally marketed an extended cut version of Batman Superman. Right. That's sort of what I'm thinking, like a half hour of extra footage for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I w- I would hope I would I would be interested to see it. Um, I'd say yeah, my my rating is it's gonna seem harsh, but I I think I'd go more like six point five to seven. Oh, see, I, I thought I'm, you liked it better than me, and you're rating it lower. What the hell, Josh? <laughs> well, I, I'm trying to think in in terms of my typical approach to to placing something. Um, it had really good footing, and I Brian, I forget if I said this to you the other day, but uh, this felt like a really, really well done comic book movie for 2009. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. Right. It it, it just it it was. It's like it didn't learn enough lessons from other other things and incorporate those into you know better art, but it definitely was a step in the right direction for how this company is making these stories. Yeah. Um so I mean like I'm I'm a tough critic just in my own head so it's hard like I I I don't even like to give things typically above an 8 because like you got to have somewhere to go up from in the future. Yeah. So I I do. I think it it's, it's extremely watchable. There's not like like whereas Batman Superman seemed like a chore after the first time. If you ever watch it again, it really would just seem like, why are we watching this? Oh, because <laughs> I haven't seen it in two years? Okay, I guess. I, I really do feel like this could just go on at, an, at any time. And even if it's just in the background, if it was on HBO or cable, you know, coming through in a couple years, sure, it's going to be a good TV movie. You know, just as a side note, I was actually sort of in the process of rewatching BBS, like, Actually, Chris and I, Chris hadn't seen it, so I was trying to play it for him when I'm over his house every so often. But we've been piecemealing it. So we watched about, like, the first third, and then we got through the middle third, and we still have the last third to go. (laughs) But, like, that middle third, like, the second act of that movie, the extended version at least, jumps around between four or five different plot lines. And just taking a gap and watching it in just that section, Mm -hmm. we're both looking at each other like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) And I've seen it before. <laughs> so this does not feel like that. J- no. Justice League definitely feels more cohesive and does not jump around as much like that. So it's a lot easier yes. to follow, which is good. Its its focus was on a central storyline yeah. that yeah. persisted all the way through. It was not as worried. Other than Aquaman, 
maybe 1%, it didn't feel like it was as worried about setting up other people's movies. It's obviously going to try to advance the overall arc of the series going forward. Yeah. But it, it, it had a plot. It had a story that this was telling and not five others at the same time. Yeah. All right, so that's where we're going to leave Justice League. If you've made it this far, hopefully that means you've seen the movie. If you've made it this far and haven't seen the movie, we've effectively spoiled everything for you. Since our uh, review was as long as the movie itself. Yeah, pretty much. Well, like I said, we didn't do one last week, so I, this will be filling for covering both weeks, essentially. Cool. Um, so, yeah, if if you haven't seen it, I'd still recommend checking it out, regardless of what the hell we say. If you are curious to see this movie, go check it out. Yes. Form your own opinion. I try to, you know tout that all the time you can listen to us all you want but in the end if you want to see something go see it regardless of what the hell we're telling you to do uh so that's it for this one uh we'll see what comes up next week i don't know if i have a solid plan yet but we'll see what happens uh we have a couple more weeks to star wars so we'll see what we can fit in between now and then i would like to do after you know uh coordinate schedules and stuff but between you two we'll have to try to do most anticipated for 2018 Ooh, hopefully, okay. hopefully the week before Star Wars, we'll see if we can get that scheduled and and figured out. But okay, just as a preview for other people listening, that's it's those are usually one of my favorite ones to do is the top ten most anticipated and and our top ten of the previous year. I have fun with those, so I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, so if you enjoy the show, please stop by iTunes, leave us a five star rating and review. Be sure to share, subscribe, favorite the show. As always, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Superfriends. You can also send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. Or you can email us, Superfriends at gmail.com or on Twitter at BGSuperfriends. Any of those will work. And on behalf of Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time.